Blog Talk Radio. Signing Day edition of BAMS Radio. So much to talk about in these next two hours. I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BamaMag.com, joined by Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine back in the studio. And uh, also, uh, we're going to be joined by Drew DeArmond when time permits. He is currently covering a high school basketball game in Huntsville between Huntsville High and J.O. Johnson. And that game features John Petty of Johnson and uh, Drew will call in at halftime of that game. I'm not exactly sure what the time frame will be, but it will be within the next two hours. I know that much. Also, we'll be joined later this hour by uh, Jimmy Stein, uh, who you know on the Internet and Twitter as LJS Law. And next hour, we're going to hear from Kurt McNair of Bama Magazine, uh, one of my bosses, and he'll talk about uh, the anniversary of Bear Bryant's death as well as the state of the current football team and a series he just got through writing about the prospective candidates for Alabama's quarterback job next year. And then at the bottom of hour two, around 8.30 Central, we'll hear from Mike Quinnable. We haven't heard from him for a while, but he's a great friend of BAMS Radio, Coach Q of the Alabama hockey team. They just got done with a dominating three-game sweep of Auburn, uh, which I was able to attend the Saturday game. And uh, they won the Iron Cup again. Uh, I believe that's nine years in a row since the thing was established. Alabama's won it every time. So Coach Q will join us uh, at 8.30 Central uh, during hour number two. But, uh, wow, there's so much going on right now. Uh, It's tough to think where to start. But, Thomas, I think uh, because we're not exactly sure what time Drew's calling in, I think we'll touch on a little bit of recruiting. And we'll also talk recruiting extensively with Jimmy when he joins us and also when Jimmy joins us. Uh, in about 13 more minutes, we would be talking about this Saturday's Senior Bowl in Mobile and how the five Alabama players on the South team are doing so far. And uh, most of them are getting pretty good reviews. And we'll let Jimmy touch on that for us. He uh, attended an event Monday night at which he got a chance to interact at least briefly with all five of the Alabama guys that are down in Mobile. And that's Reggie Ragland, Cyrus Jones, uh, Jaron Reed, Kenyon Drake, and Jake Coker. And all of them, at one point or the other this week, have gotten good reviews. And Thomas, you're mobile, and I'm, I'm sure you're hearing some of the same stuff. Yeah, one of the the thing that's jumped out the most to me, quite honestly, is that Reggie Ragland was moved to outside linebacker to do a lot more pass rush stuff, and he's been blow like no no doings about it. He's been blowing people up. I mean, he he's done so such a good job. People are saying he might work himself into, like, the top 15 of the draft, which, depending on who you saw before, like what mock draft you saw before this week, he was already flirting with that. But he's had a good week. Uh, It was interesting. I was eating dinner before we came on the air, and local news station uh, had an interview by by Randy Patrick with Jake Coker. And Jake said he had a couple of good practices, and he didn't have a good one today, but 
from what I understand, nobody of the Alabama Five have done themselves any sort of disservice. Uh, Jaron Reed is very similar in many ways to uh, Reggie Ragland. It's the thing that I came into curious about the Senior Bowl, like looking at it from just a pure top-down, not crimson glasses fan perspective, how do guys like Reggie Ragland, who really does pop on tape, or Jaron Reed, who's really, if you if you plug it in for him, he's had a great senior season, what do they look like when they're not surrounded by first-round picks? And that's not really a fair knock on them because, you know, you can't really control that. But that small lingering question, from everything I understand, has been answered with him an emphatic yes in the case of those two young men. The game's going to be interesting. Uh, this Saturday, I don't think it matters as much. I think that's more the fan exhibition. The business part of the Senior Bowl trip is done with players finishing practice today, but I'll be interested to get some of Jimmy's insights. Uh, unfortunately, because of my Ph.D. program, I have not been able to do anything with the Senior Bowl because I have class, you know, six to eight every day, basically. So just just doesn't work for me. But anyway... Aside from my first world problems, it's been a good week in Mobile, from what I understand, for the guys. Do you think uh, by the time you're 30, you might be out of classes you can take in school? Um, well, I decided that they they decided to let me go into the PhD program, so uh, it's just research now. I mean, I do get to hack a piece of medical equipment, so I could kill you with a laptop. It's fun. Oh, really? Well, yeah, that, well, I'm, well, I'm about seventy. I'm only about fifty-seven now, so give me a little bit more longer. Uh, okay, I'll let you. I'll let you get that life insurance policy going. I got one. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's not a great one, but I got one. Uh, currently, six minutes after the hour, uh, I want to talk about two more things before we bring on Jimmy. The first, Thomas, did you get a chance to watch the basketball game the other night? The Tennessee game. Yes. Okay, I'll be honest. I didn't get to see it, but I was able to keep up with it on Twitter. And it's like from my from my perspective, it was a tale of two halves or a tale of two insane runs. Is that a fair statement, Kerry? Help me out. You could almost say it was a tale of, of uh, four quarters, even though they don't play quarters, because with uh, around 13 minutes to go in the ball game, Alabama was down 15. And uh, most of us, in our minds at least, had quit. And when I say quit, I mean, from a writer's point of view, you start to write your lead and you're writing about a loss and you're putting in parentheses records. And uh, all of a sudden, Alabama went on a run. Uh, I think it was like 16-2 to two, and got back in the game. And then Tennessee went back ahead very briefly. And then in the last 38 seconds, with the game tied, Alabama got a three-pointer from Edwards and a three-point play, the old and one from Retno Bassahan, and the smoke cleared and the clock hit zero, and Alabama had a six-point win at home against Tennessee on a rainy night uh, with an announced attendance of 11,429. Maybe a little generous, but it was a fairly rowdy crowd once Alabama got back in the game. They were warning so badly uh, for something to cheer for, and, and Drew and myself were both there along with Kirk McNair, who will be joining us next hour. And we'll get his thoughts. But uh, we were all three sitting there going, man, with, with 13 minutes to go, down by 15, you're like, okay. You know, we're all writing stories. And I, and I know Drew was pretty brutal on Twitter, and everything he said was true. He wasn't embellishing or even really downing Alabama. But the final score, Alabama 63, Tennessee 57, just a great comeback. Uh, Raleigh Norris had 13 rebounds. And uh, 
Shannon Hale had his best game of the year, 20 points and eight rebounds. And the remarkable thing about Shannon's game was he was nine for 10 from the foul line, almost unheard of at Alabama. Alabama has been struggling from the foul line all year, shooting in the 60s, and they shot 11 for 13, which is 84.6%. Now, also, Retina Basahan, as I mentioned earlier, had a great game with 22 points and, and five assists. And, uh, you know, you had other guys that did things. Dante Hall was brought into the press conference by Coach Johnson, a true freshman at 6'9". And Dante, while he didn't score that many points, um, I'm actually holding the box score now, he had – Six, he had four points, six rebounds, one assist, three blocks, and two steals. And uh, the uh, staff put out a, a great stat today about Dante. He's second in America in, in blocks per attempt. Like when the guy he's guarding takes a shot, he's blocked at 14.5% of the time. And the nation's leader is around 15.5%. So... Dante is not playing that many minutes, but when he's in there, he's being effective. And quite frankly, he's being more effective than Jimmy Taylor, who's two years older than him. And uh, Dante was a big part of that victory and, uh, as such, was brought into the media room along with Retina Bosselhan after the ball game. It was a great win for Alabama because they were in danger of going 1-6 and six in the league. And even though they're probably not going to go to the NCAA, they at least wanted to try to make the postseason in some form like the NIT. And now that they're 11 and 8 and 2 and 5 in the conference, they have a shot because the schedule gets a little easier on the back end. Alabama's January schedule in basketball in the SEC was about as brutal as it gets. But uh, and they've lost some games uh, that they would have won had they made their free throws at the clip they made them Tuesday night. But uh, anyway, a great win. Uh, Alabama won the second half, 39 to 32 after being down one at the break. Uh, points in the paint. Uh, Alabama was up 34 to 18. Uh, fast break points. Alabama was up 16 to four. Uh, the game was very competitive. Uh, the lead changed seven times and was tied four times. But when it's all said and done, it was a very, very, very good victory for Alabama. And we'll get thoughts from Drew and Kirk both on that when they have a chance to uh, call in here in a little while. And we are going to be joined in about five minutes by Jimmy Stein or LJS Ball, as we call him. And what I'm going to ask Jimmy is if he can confirm something that I heard earlier this week, actually, <laughs> like last night. And the fact was that Alabama, Thomas, may have as many as nine, maybe even ten silent commitments. And uh, by silent commitment, I mean a prospect who has told Nick Saban that he's coming to Alabama but has not had a press conference or a tweet or any type of media interaction where he goes public with that announcement. I think the reason that Alabama is taking a lot of private commitment is if someone goes public, it causes someone like Hugh Freeze or Kirby Smart to turn all that much attention on them and try to get them away. But if you keep them guessing, uh, the game's being played different this year than it it has in recent years. Uh, You know, Hugh may be Mr. Freeze, but Nick Saban's trying to be Batman this go-round. And uh, we'll see how that plays out next Wednesday. I've already told my boss at my full-time job that I'm taking off all day because, uh, you know, I never get any work done because all the announcements schedule, like from 8 o'clock on, and then the 3 o'clock relevant club meeting in Tuscaloosa where Saban tells us about the guys and lets all the coaches, uh, each individual, say a few minutes about his new guys. But I've been told there may be as many as 10. Now, now here are the ones that I feel like that they have in the bag. 
And I'll go back over this with Jimmy when he calls in in a few minutes, or we'll get him on the phone in a few minutes. But my understanding is Mac Wilson and Ben Davis, the two linebackers in state, um, my understanding is uh, Gavin, the wide receiver that's down to Bama and Florida State, Terrell Hall, the Jack linebacker who's down to Bama and Maryland. Uh, here, now, here's a great prospect. Thomas, you've listened to me whine for six or eight months about a left tackle. And uh, even though William Redfish Barger feels like Jonah Williams at 6'4 can be a good left tackle, uh, there's a project that could be developed into a left tackle. Could be 6'7, but he only weighs about 285 right now out of Mississippi named Scott Lashley. Mississippi State wants him badly. My understanding is he might be a private to Alabama. One of the bigger names in America that I think UCLA thought they had wrapped up, the linebacker Mike Juarez. Some are saying he's private to Alabama. Uh, someone I've been warning ever since it became apparent we weren't going to get Marlon Davidson is defensive end Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi. Ole Miss thinks they have him, but now Alabama thinks they have him. And then someone who kind of snuck into Tuscaloosa these last couple of days on a on an unofficial visit, but he's there as we speak. Nigel Knott, a very athletic cornerback from Mississippi, that Ole Miss State both want badly. Alabama feels like they've got him, and the fact that he showed up midweek he, just because he felt like coming tells me that that might be true. Uh, now, there's a possibility that a tight end by the name of Irvin Smith may have committed tonight. He canceled his in-home visit with Charlie Strong of Texas because some are saying he became private or silent to Alabama tonight. And you've also listened to me, Thomas, gripe about inline tight ends. If the Urban Smith rumor is true and Alabama does reel him in, they've got their inline tight end for this class. And lastly, while a project could still be the left tackle of the future because we all know Cam Robinson has another year. So if, if this information that I'm getting from – Pretty solid sources, I might add. Turns out to be accurate. And Alabama could vault from seven or eight, where they are in most polls right now, to one or two when all the uh, the dust clears this coming Wednesday. Yeah, Carrie, I don't know if you uh, <laughs> you might get a kick out of this. I actually brought up Urban Smith in the back chat because I see it now. Yeah, yeah, two four seven has him predicted to uh, they dates. They just threw up a bunch of predictions that he's to Bama. Ironically, I know a bunch of people at Brother Martin, so there might be an explosion of text messages or Facebook messages between them to see what they can tell me. Well, that that would be good. Uh, but when he canceled his in-home with Charlie Strong of Texas tonight, that was kind of seen by the recruiting nation as a signal that Bama may have gotten a silent from him. And like I said, you know, he's 6'4", 230, but uh, he is going to be an in-line tight end. He's not the H-back type of guy. And I'm I'm quite thrilled with this if it is true. Uh, some of this stuff we're going to hear about, and it could change nine times between now and signing day next Wednesday. But it looks like Alabama is going to have a strong sprint to the finish line. And, you know, we'll talk about this with Jimmy, and we'll talk about this with Drew once we get him on the phone. Uh, But it looks like that even though Alabama's ranked around seventh or eighth in a lot of the polls nationwide right now as far as people that are publicly committed, if 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 these if even three fourths of these nine or ten alleged silence, I guess it's up to ten now with Urban Smith. If if, if even two thirds of those or three fourths of those are accurate, then Alabama's going to vault into at worst the top three and maybe even better. Uh, you know LSU's having a great recruiting year. Hats off. Ole Miss is having a great recruiting year. Hats off. You know, good for them. But the close, the finish. You know, there used to be a saying in recruiting. The big dogs walk late. Well, uh, it looks like this year, at least where the University of Alabama is concerned, 
that that may be quite accurate. And, uh, you know, if you're in Alabama, if you have any vacation time that you can take next Wednesday and you're a huge recruiting fan, I strongly advise it because the announcements are going to go from about 8 to 3. And you can just sit there and have ESPNU on or refresh your Twitter or, you know, however you log in, the ESPN app on your, your smartphone. All of that's fine. But uh, the coverage from and from BamaMag.com, John Garcia, great friend of this show, you know, it's his busiest day of the year. He doesn't sleep much that last week before signing day. And uh, we will have next week, even though Drew has a speaking engagement and probably won't join us to the last 30 minutes, we will have a BAMS next Thursday night to recap next Wednesday's signing day. And on that show, we're going to attempt to have John Garcia rejoin us like he does at least once or twice a month and kind of go over BAMS class. And on that same show, we're going to attempt to have Rodney Orr from Tyler Insider as well. So we'll have a, a very good post-signing day. Uh, show for you, as well as uh, the fact that Drew will join us for the last 45, maybe 30 minutes next week. And uh, he'll join us for a little bit of uh, halftime. He's covering a high school basketball game right now uh, with J.O. Johnson and John Petty taking on Huntsville High. So we'll hear from Drew at halftime of that game. But right now, it's my uh, pleasure to bring on a longtime friend of mine and, and a good friend of this show and a guy who I always enjoy talking to and going back and forth with on Twitter a guy who has his pulse on Bama recruiting, and, uh, as I said earlier, a guy who has his pulse on what's going on during Senior Bowl week regarding Bama's guys down there. Welcome to Bama's Radio, Jimmy Stein. Hey, Kerry. Thanks for uh, thanks for you guys having me back on again. I enjoy it every time. All right. We're glad to have you, and uh, we'll we'll get right to the chase, Jimmy. I, just, <laughs> I, I always appreciate your input, and uh, I, I went over a list before we brought you on, of people that I feel like could either be private or very, very strong leans to the University of Alabama that have, have not even gone public yet. None of these ten people have gone public. Uh, okay. First, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you about them one at a time, and you give me your input because I know we don't have all the same source. Uh, but let me just start with a guy that will be most recent. And the reason that people think he may be private to Alabama is because he canceled his in-home tonight with Charlie Strong from Texas. I'm talking I'm talking about a tight end, Irv Smith. Uh, well, how do you feel about him with Bama? You know, it would really uh, – it, it, it would sort of surprise me in a, in a couple of a couple of ways. Number one, and I'm just talking kind of in the macro sense, I'm a little surprised that we would take a third tight end. I mean, we obviously have the two committed, and, and, and one's already an early entry guy. Uh, I just didn't expect to sign a third tight end, and because because I didn't expect that, I'm a little surprised uh, that, that that Irv Smith may be a part of this class. But I, I do believe very strongly that if Irv Smith is a guy that Nick wants in this class, then that is going to happen. So uh, I, I, I believe we lead for Irv Smith. I believe he is ours. If we want him, I'm a little surprised we want him, not not as a statement about what kind of player he is, but as a statement about how many tight ends we were going to take in this group. Uh, and not to well, mention – Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, let me let me share with you why I think he may be a take. Uh, what's the young man's name from Missouri that's not early enrollee? Scales. Brendan Scales. Scales. Uh, yes. Scales, I think – is more of an H-back, uh, almost a Michael Nicewander type of guy. 
Yeah. And Miller Horstall, Jimmy, I think is yep. more of the quote unquote receiving tight end like OJ Howard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy from Brother Martin High, Urban Smith, I think mm-hmm. he's the inline tight end. Uh, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. calling him the second coming of Michael Williams, but give him a couple years of Scott Cochran, he could get there. Uh, yeah, I feel I like he's that. the inline guy, the blocking tight end, no, whatever you want to call it. And I know they're listening to 230. But, I mean, you know, if you get to Alabama, Jimmy, and you play tight end and you can block, you're going to get on the field. Ask Hale Hempis. Uh, that, that's totally true. And I, he, he, I, I think athletically, I've watched the tape. I, I think athletically he's a take uh, for Alabama or for any top-tier SEC program looking for that in-line wide tight end. Uh, I think he, he is a guy. I'm just, again, a little surprised. Over, I'll be a little surprised. And not just the third tight end, not just that, that three number at tight end carry, so much as, you know, we can only bring in, you know, 25, 27 guys. And there's always the 85 number, which is an issue with us constantly. So just a little surprised at the numbers, I guess I would say. It has nothing to do with, with Irv Smith as a prospect so much as that we're going to use use a spot there. But uh, very good prospect. I agree with you totally. He, he is an inline Y, uh, and, and if he, he's signing with us, that's where he's going to play. And, see, I think Scales is an H. And with Forrestal, he he may even split out some like O.J. did a little bit. I, like I just think there are three different kinds of tight ends, Jimmy. You know, I've always uh, compared uh, when people have asked about, about Brendan Scales, uh, who, who I do like quite a bit. But in terms of a former Alabama player I'd compare Scales to, I've compared him to Travis McCall. And Travis McCall did play a lot of H-back at Alabama, uh, you know, when Travis was, was on the team. So, so yeah, I can certainly see that happen. Yeah, Travis played a good bit of Y and a good bit of H. You're exactly right. Exactly. Uh, whereas yeah. I think that Urban Smith is going to be a pure Y, and I think we agree with that. Sure. All right, that's one of the ten guys I wanted to ask you about. Uh, All right. We'll just go right on, we'll go right on down the list. Mac Wilson. Well, I think we've uh, – you know, Mac, Mac has been a guy I think has been very open all during recruiting in terms of I don't think at any point that he was a, quote, lock to go to Alabama, but Alabama is always the program that made a lot of sense for Mac in terms of geography, in terms of scheme. Uh, you know, he's an hour and a half from, from, from campus. I think it's always made sense. And now that we're getting down to crunch time, it seems to me that things are lining up in the Mac Wilson world to where it just all makes sense and it's going to be Alabama. Uh, and I think we could have predicted that early on, but also believe he seriously considered other programs. And the big problem that Alabama faced with Mac is that Kirby Smart, Mac was such a high-profile prospect his whole career, Kirby Smart has been recruiting that, that kid for three years. So when Kirby left to went to Georgia, I'd imagine it was a confusing time for Mac. Uh, but – Ends up, uh, I, I'm confident this will be Alabama. Yeah, and Georgia made a great run at him. What I like about it is two things. One, I had a source tell me that he was he went privately to Alabama with Saban uh, during his uh, visit on campus this past weekend. Number two, today Jimmy Mack canceled his trip to Gainesville this weekend. Yes, I, I saw that, and 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 I think that I think I think we all know what's coming. Good, good right. prospect. It'd be interesting to me. Uh, uh, interesting to me after signing day, and we start putting the pieces in place. Is Matt going to initially be a Will? Is he initially going to be a Sam? Uh, that that sort of interests me because he, he's a he's a 
he's a linebacker. I mean, we we know Ben Davis is an inside guy. I think Mac is so versatile. He's so athletic. I'm uh, I'm anxious to see how we uh, how we use Mac Wilson. My guess on Mac is is Sam, but that's strictly a guess. And you mentioned Ben Davis. He's the next guy on the list. He's visiting Auburn this weekend, but I think that's much ado about nothing. I, I've always thought he was a strong Alabama lean. I'm now to the point that I consider him Alabama lock. Yeah, I think as we get this close, much, much like the situation with Mac, but even a little different because Ben is west of Tuscaloosa and uh, and his dad played there. Uh, I, I think all along Alabama has been the most likely destination. I think like Mac, he kept an open mind and wanted to see what these other programs had to say, but in the end, we just make all the sense in the world for Ben. I think Alabama makes all the sense in the world for him. And, yeah, I, I think that's what it's going to be. And as it gets closer, I, I get more and more excited about him. I think there might be a little bit of a learning curve there in terms of he's not exactly playing against a 7A schedule every week. So I think there might be a bit of a learning curve. But uh, but once Ben Davis catches on to the speed of the game, I, I truly believe he's going to be a, a quality player at Alabama. And of these ten names that I consider either privates or locks, I've only seen two of them play in person, and that was Mac Wilson and Ben Davis. And I can tell you with both kids, there's absolutely zero questioning the athleticism and the football instincts, but certainly Alabama's defensive playbook is thicker than war and peace or gone with the wind. We both know that. Uh, but I think those kids are bright enough that they'll pick it up quicker than you may think. And uh, I'm very excited about the, the prospect both in I hate to chase the rabbit real quick, Jimmy, but I do have to share this story. And if I've told you this before, I apologize. I know that a few of our listeners have heard it. It doesn't seem that long ago. Uh, they used to have an, uh, they actually still have it, but they used to have in Bryant Denny, where it's no longer played, an Alabama North South All Star game at the conclusion of kids' senior seasons. Jimmy, I'm so old that I can remember covering that game at Bryant Denny, standing on the sidelines, listening to then high school seniors. Wayne Davis and Cornelius Bennett talked to each other about the things they wanted to accomplish at Alabama. Now Amazing. we we are about to sign Wayne's son, and we have extended 2017 defensive lineman Kibon Bennett, Cornelius' son in Florida, an offer. Jimmy, I'm getting old. <laughs> well, if you called, uh, if you had me on the show to make you uh, feel younger, uh, I'm not going to do that for you, pal. Yeah, you are getting old. Okay. All right. Already have, I got I got a picture of uh, I got a a small Daniel Moore print in my office of Bobby Humphrey and uh and his son. Well we all know who his son is, so I'm pretty old myself. But, yeah, I'll just be excited to see ben. I'll just be excited to see Ben Davis at, at Alabama. I think he's a little different than his dad, uh in, in terms of, you know, just the length. Uh you know, he's a tall guy, he's got a big wingspan. And in, in today's college football where there's so much emphasis on the passing game, that will serve Ben well at Alabama. Oh, yeah. And Dad was the all-time leading tackler at Alabama. Dad was more of an inside guy. You're right. Different kinds of players, but still outstanding. Yep. Next guy on the list that I think is very solid at Alabama, even though he's not public, is probably going to be a jack linebacker. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. And I'm talking about Terrell Hall, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Terrell Hall fan. I think I think Tosh Lapoy has done a great job with uh, Terrell. He's from the D.C. area, and you know the, the one thing I'll say about Terrell, just in terms of rankings, I, I don't get into the rankings like some other uh, fans or analysts do. But but 
one thing I'll say about Terrell Hall, I think he's he's a consensus four star, and, and I don't think he's a five star in any of the services. But how many kids from basically the Northeast, if you want to call Washington D.C. from the Northeast, how many kids from the Northeast could commit on signing day to Alabama, Ohio State, or Florida State? I mean, we're talking or about Maryland. the top right. preeminent recruiting. Yeah, the top preeminent recruiting programs in the country all right. want this kid. So if that's not a five-star, I don't know what a five-star is. Because to me, a five-star is a guy that can sign with any of the power programs in the country he wants. And that's really Terrell Hall. So I, I'm really excited to sign him. In terms of an Alabama player comparison, on the field, I, I would say a little similar maybe to Jonathan Allen. I think, you know, we'll see how his body grows. I think he'll show up as a jack, and then we'll see how his body grows from there. Uh, but a great outside pass rusher, real physical. Uh, I do. I also agree with you that Terrell Hall is, is most likely signing with Alabama next week. And, uh, man, another Nick Saban-type signee where in this new world, I call it a new world. Nick's now been here for nine years, but <laughs> a new world where we can just go to Washington, D.C., and, and sign a pass rusher that everybody in the country would like to have. Yep, and, you know, if he doesn't fill out and become a John Allen, I'm quite happy if he remains a Courtney Upshaw. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's a win-win for us, Jim. Oh, yeah, he's an outside pass rusher. You cannot have enough of those. One of the great things about our 2015 team, we're such a good pass rushing team, and, and it didn't come from one spot. We rushed the passer from our inside defensive end position. We rushed the passer from our outside jack position, and uh, Torrell Hall is going to end up at one of those spots. Uh, it's just, just, just a really good-looking outside uh, speed uh, rusher, even though he's, he's showing up you know, in the, in the 240 range. Next guy on the list, if you talk to somebody in Tallahassee, they'll tell you they got him. If you talk to somebody from Tuscaloosa, they'll tell you they got him. I'm believing the people from Tuscaloosa right now. I'm talking to Jimmy about Keith Gavin. Yeah, uh, I felt re- the only, the only, the only uh, I, and, and I agree that he's going to Alabama. I, the only thing that gives me any sort of pause is I was convinced Keith Gavin's going to Alabama. Then he goes on this visit this weekend, and and and, and just me personally, I've heard nothing since then. And Florida State is a, is a closer program to him geographically. So I'll, I'll just say I believe. You know, if we're, we're putting down a bet and who's going to sign with Alabama, my bet is Keith Gavin signing with Alabama. I'm, I'll, I'll just say I'm a little less convinced of it today than I was one week ago. So we'll see. But I, I hope it's Alabama because Keith Gavin is a, a very, very good prospect um, in terms of hands and frame. Uh, I, that, that, he's about as good as it gets. He, he, I, I don't like calling him a possession receiver because that, that makes it sound like I, I don't think he's a fantastic playmaker. In fact, I believe he is. So I'm just saying that his frame and his hands are really, really good. I think he's a guy, Terry, that if he is signing with Alabama next week, he could make a run at being our even fourth or fifth guy next season. That's how good I think that, that kid might be. That's very strong. Uh, the next guy on the list fills a need that I've been whining about for eight months, just like I whined about inline tight end. Uh, 
I whined about left tackle. And even though Mississippi State is certain that they have him, I've got people telling me that Alabama, Jimmy, is when the, when the dust clears, is going to get Scott Lashley. Man, you know, one thing, I, I don't know as much about him because from the beginning I've kind of thought of him as a guy that would end up at Mississippi State for sure. But standing around, just standing there on the hoof, as they say, that kid looks like a million bucks. I mean, he he is tall. He is thick. He is tough-looking kid. Uh, I, I just think if you're going to draw up a left tackle in the lab, you know, you want him to look like that guy does. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. I hope it's true. I am hearing the exact same things you are, Carrie, that Alabama is in, and, and I'll, I'll use my own adverb, shockingly good position with Scott Lashley. He's another guy I'll compare to your Irv Smith thing in the sense that I, I think if Alabama feels like we have room for him, that, that he is going to sign with Alabama. But uh, all, I'll admit that all along, going all the way back to last summer, I've just sort of penciled him in and Starkville, even though I realize he, you know, he's a really good prospect. He could sign with multiple SEC schools. He's good enough to play for anyone in the league. But, uh, yeah, I think this very well could be Alabama. Very well could be. And for our obligatory former player comparison, because he is 6'7 and a little bit below 300, let's go with a guy from your neck of the woods, Chris Samuels. Oh, wow. Well, I hope he ends up that good. Chris, Chris ended up with a pretty Chris deep Samuels projected him to do what he did in the NFL? I didn't. Gosh. No, I thought he no. was a project. I mean, he didn't have to redshirt a year. I feel like Scott will have to redshirt and get in the weight room a year and get closer to 300. But I think that Alabama thinks he can do that. And I think that Alabama thinks that when Scott Cochran and Mario Cristobal are done working their magic, that while he's no Greg Little now, he could be in two years, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, one one quick aside to show how no one should take anyone's opinion too seriously. Of course, I was much younger then, but... I, I remember going to a Shaw High School football game back in 1994. I was still in law school at the time, so I was still in college. And uh, I went to a Shaw High School football game because I wanted to see Kelvin Sigler play, who was a a really high-value prospect uh, for Alabama. And uh, they had an offensive and defensive lineman kid that played both ways that was committed to Southern Miss that someone told me at the time was like, well, he's committed to Southern Miss, but Alabama might end up taking him late. And so I watched him for a few snaps and thought, too skinny, not physical enough, not good enough. I'll be shocked if we have if we, if we take him. But I was really impressed with Sigler. And, of course, Sigler ended up being a really good player. But the point is, I, I wasn't too knocked out by, by Chris Samuels when I saw him play at Shaw High School. It show, shows how much I know. I couldn't have been more wrong about him. But, I mean, if you were to ask Rodney Orr, John Garcia, any of these guys, what's the toughest position to evaluate, Jimmy? It's offensive line in high school. It really is for any number of reasons. And, and, uh, actually, you mentioned the Senior Bowl earlier. I had a a good, long conversation the other night with uh, Kyle O'Dell, who's a friend of both of ours, who's a scout for the 49ers and we, we, we talked about this, that exact thing about how the offensive line is just very difficult to evaluate even for a professional like Kyle uh, because really one of the reasons is the intangibles it takes to do well at that spot most of the offensive linemen that do really well at, the, at high college and the NFL level they're really smart guys they're hard working guys 
they're technique-driven guys. And, and I think for, for guys like me and you, Kerry, that love to go out and watch high school football players and guess who's going to do well at the next level, what impresses us is just overall athleticism. Who Who is clearly the best athlete out there? And at that offensive line spot, it's, just, it's not always that guy. It's not always the best athlete. Uh, Ryan Kelly being an example, you know, someone who at the high school level probably didn't really show out athletically, and now he's going to be the first center taken in the draft. So uh, that's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. But, but back to Scott Lashley, very, very, very real possibility he signed him with Alabama. Just just another aside, as I, as I chase a rabbit, to go along with what you said about Chris Samuels. No, and this is nothing against John Michael Boswell because he had four he got four letters at Alabama he contributed as a as a quality backup in the Southeastern Conference. But Jimmy, I went one night to scout John Michael Boswell. The game was played in Tuscaloosa at Hillcrest High School. John Michael, of course, played for Tuscaloosa County. I watched John Michael take a poor 5'11", 170-pound defensive end for Hillcrest and drive him not only off the field, but up against the fence. It was almost like the Michael Orr scene in Blindside, except it didn't occur in the end zone. It occurred around the 40, and it was the fence behind the bench. And I thought to myself, God, this guy's a stud. I had to remind myself that the guy on the other end of the abuse was 5'11", 170. And that's, that's right. not the SEC. But the offensive line, it's just so hard to judge. I just just another crazy story that I'll probably never tell again. Really but anyway, <laughs> I'm going to give you an easy one here, and then I'm going to give you two hard ones. And the right. two, the, So we'll start off with the softball, and we'll get to the Nolan Ryan fastball in the next two. This guy is actually taking an unofficial right now. Uh, Ole Miss probably thinks they have him. State wants him badly. Alabama, I say, is going to get Nigel Knott. Yeah, uh, I have, uh, I've, I've felt very confident about Nigel Knott for a long time, and, and that has not changed for me down the stretch at all. Uh, I, I, I fully expect Nigel Knott to sign with Alabama next week. I'm, I'm a big fan. He's small. I mean, he's small. He, uh, I, I'm not even sure what, what the sites list him at, but he's smaller than that. <laughs> he, he's not a big guy, but, man, he Neither is so athletic. Oh, uh, he is so athletic, it is ridiculous. I mean, this guy, I said before, and I know this sounds crazy, but in terms of pure athleticism measured by quicks, explosion, speed, acceleration, vertical leap, broad jump, this kid is as good athletically as any kid we've signed in the Saban era. I mean, that's how athletic I think the kid is, and he has every tool to be a great cornerback, Probably needs you know some some coaching, but I I'm a big fan of Nigel Knott, and and I'll, I'll be as an Alabama fan thrilled uh, when we sign him next Wednesday. I, I'm 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 pretty confident on that one. Okay, now I'm going to give you two that a lot of people don't think Alabama's going to get, and and I'll be honest with you, Jimmy, if you and I had gotten in touch with Nick Saban or or Jeremy Pruitt or or Bo Davis. Or, or Tosh LePoy, they probably say, please don't talk about these two guys on your show tonight. But I have <laughs> to do it because we, we bring we bring the facts here and we bring the heat. So we'll just go from the little softball I threw you on, on Nigel Knott to two guys that other schools really are convinced they're going to get. 
But my information in the last 12 to 14 hours is those schools are going to be disappointed because Alabama's going to get them both. I'll start out with maybe the least likely because of his geography, and that's Mikey Juarez, linebacker from California. Man, he's been the uh, talk around, uh, I, I mean, for the last two or three days, I think that's been the kid that's been the talk of Alabama recruiting as far as I'm concerned because I think if I'd have told you know, come on with you and Drew a month ago and said, we're going to sign this, this kid, Juarez, from California. You'd have, you know, sent a butterfly net for me. But now it looks more than ever like we're going to end up with him. He, he's, as far as I'm considered, a name out of the blue. Not that we haven't been involved with him for some time, but I, I just never thought that it was realistic we could end up with him. Now, as we sit here today, I'm almost, uh, I hate to use the word, almost confident that we are going to sign McKay Juarez. And uh, I couldn't be happier as an Alabama fan. I mean, man, that kid is athletic. For, for for a linebacker with his natural size, he is as athletic as any linebacker prospect as you will get. I, I love the size, the speed, the explosion. And the fact that he's, we're signing a kid like that from Los Angeles I mean, I guess you have to win four national titles in, in, in seven years, you know, to get, to get a kid to fly all the way across the continent uh, as, as good as he is. Just a fantastic player. And uh, I think as good a recruiting job as Tosh Lapoy and Nick Saban ha- have done at Alabama. But, yeah, I, I expect to sign McKay Juarez. And do you think he'll – isn't it pretty certain he'll be at one of the two inside slots, whichever one Ben Davis is not, maybe? You know, as much as I was just bragging on Mac Wilson a while ago, I said Mac Wilson is so athletic. I'm not sure what spot he'll play. <laughs> Juarez is just like, and I'm not taking a shot at Mac here. I'm just saying, just my opinion as a fan that watches the tape. McKay Juarez is Mac Wilson, but potentially a little better. I mean, and, and that's saying a lot because Mac's five star on, on, on basically every site. But I think Juarez is like a more athletic Mac. He he, he can play in. I, I don't think there's a linebacker spot that Juarez or Mac Wilson can't play. You know, so, Fair enough. Uh, interesting to now, see where, where they line up. I'm as interested as anybody. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. It'll be great to just to, to read the reports of their first few practices uh, and, and see where they are, even in shorts. Okay, well, I only have one guy left that I feel like is, I'm going to even say a silent commitment to Alabama, even though some people don't want to hear that, some people don't believe that exists anymore. And it's going to be a, a little shocking to anyone who follows Ole Miss recruiting. And it's going to be exhilarating to anybody who follows Alabama recruiting. But unless my sources are dead wrong, and I realize, don't bother telling me about Tony Connor or don't bother telling me about Laramie Tunsil. I know those stories, and I know them well. That being said, Jimmy, I'm hearing very, very solid info that Alabama is going to get Jeffrey Simmons. Well, uh, I don't doubt that. I mean, I mean, I'm not a doubter when it comes to that. First thing, anybody that would doubt Nick Saban and Alabama's ability to sign any football player in this country is hasn't been paying attention since 2008. We're capable of signing. Heck, if you t- if Jim Harbaugh's son was the best linebacker prospect in the country, I wouldn't rule out Nick Saban signing him. I mean, that's how good Coach Saban is at that job, but. Uh, so I, I'm not going to be shocked if that happens. I'll, I'll just say that that I'm not as optimistic. I'm not as optimistic okay. there. I'm not as optimistic. Less, then there. I went nine percent with you then. <laughs> yeah, 
not I'm not as optimistic there. But but very very possible. I do think at several points in this process we have been the favorite. So you can't rule us out. Can't rule can't rule Alabama out there. No way. Well, let me see. Let me give you two reasons. It's one of those two. It's not Mississippi State. So he, he'll, oh, he'll come sure. with Ole Miss for Alabama. Yeah, and, but let me tell you why. Two things. One, I'm told that at some point during an in-home visit earlier this week, he told Nick Saban that he would sign with Alabama. Do I realize Tony Connor did the same thing? Yes, I do. I get it. Okay, I get it. I get it. But, you know, Mr. Freeze doesn't win every time. Sometimes Batman wins. And number two, number two, Jimmy, and and this is probably even stronger. Coaches at times, Alabama doesn't do this, but some coaches will take an entire staff to a kid's house and and try to put the the full-court press on. Apparently, when the Ole Miss staff all showed up in unison, you're talking nine or ten grown middle-aged men, uh, apparently uh, Mama was not too happy about that. And really? it felt like they were exerting too much pressure on her and her son. And, when, you know, the old saying, when mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. Well, apparently mama was not happy with that tactic. Uh, mm. So this is why. Yeah. Now, and look, I realize I could be wrong about this one. And, and Alabama fans, especially the ones that post on message boards, have got so much butthurt about the state of Mississippi, you can't even convince some of them that they're going to get Raekwon Davis and he's already gone public for the second time. But you right. can't tell some people right. that because he's from Mississippi and Freeze will get him. Well, wrong and, on Raekwon, and, and I'm going on record now and saying wrong on Jeffrey Simmons. No, I, I'm certainly not a – I don't subscribe to the Ole Miss gets every single kid they want theory. I mean, it's it's recruiting. Anything can happen. Uh, and, and, and every kid is different. I mean, I think as, as fans, sometimes we have a tendency to assume all these kids are the same. But the fact of the matter is all these kids are very different. They all come from different backgrounds, with different thoughts, with different goals, with different parents, with different influences. And, 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 and there's absolutely no telling. So uh, Jeffrey Simmons is absolutely a kid I do not write off by any means. Very, very realistic. It could be Alabama. Okay. And to me, that makes up a little bit for not getting Marlon Davidson, which happened due to circumstances beyond our control. That said, now let's move on to some guys that I feel good about, but I do not consider to be privates or uh, I won't even call them heavy leans. But I still feel like Alabama has more than a puncher's chance on these next couple of guys, Jimmy. And some of these are either-or situations. Whereas if you get the first one, you don't take the second one because they play the same position. But the first guy on that list is not in that situation. He's a take for Alabama, Ole Miss, or Mississippi State. All of them want him. All of them at times have thought they had him. All of them at least probably have one coaching staff member that think they have him right now. And even though I don't consider him silent or even a gigantic lean, I still give Alabama more than a puncher chance. I'm going to say 60 to 65% chance on A.J. Brown. Yeah, I, 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 I certainly don't disagree. Uh, I think, I mean, even further, and, and I'm kind of, you know, peering into the kid's head and his family's head here, but, you know, following his recruitment for almost a year like I have, he's a fantastic player. He's one of my favorite prospects in the country. Um, I think I think too many kids are given that five-star status, but 
and AJ Brown isn't a five star anywhere, and, and he, he's a kid I would give five stars to right now. I, I I can't imagine there's too many wide receiver prospects better than that kid. I think you know when you're talking about a kid from Starkville. To me, the, there are some some questions that it's tough as fans to ever know, and that is, you know, w- what is his draw to staying at home? So so many kids want to leave home. So many kids want to go off to college. So many kids are pushed away from home by their families. To be honest, like you know, <laughs> you need a new set of friends. You need you need new people. You need to get out of here. Uh, and others, it's completely the opposite. It's you're the hometown hero. Everybody here knows you. Everybody here loves you. Uh, I think there's so many factors involved there with with an AJ Brown who's from Starkville that that I can't really answer in terms of staying in his hometown. I, I do not believe in any way that AJ Brown is going to Ole Miss. I think no. he's either staying literally in his hometown to sign with Mississippi State, or he's going to Alabama. And I'm not trying to be that cocky Alabama fan with attitude. But just the fact of the matter is, A.J. Brown is an NFL prospect. I'm sure he fully believes he has an NFL future. And which program is more likely to, to, to give him a quarterback that can get him the ball and show off, show him off like the Alabama that has shown off a Julio Jones, uh, an Amari Cooper, and now a Calvin Ridley, uh, while Mississippi State has failed to put a wide receiver in the first round through any of that period. So I, I think he knows what might be best for his future, but ultimately, the question is: Is this a kid that's going to leave Starkville? And, and I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, he's made it clear to a few people, at least privately, that he doesn't have any problem leaving Starkville. But other than the locality situation, the geography situation, another draw though is he's also an excellent baseball player. And State, of course, has the premier program in the conference, uh, at least tied with LSU and Vandy for that honor. Uh, they're all three up be. there every year. And that, 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 there's no doubt that can be a big factor. That's a factor. People didn't like to hear it. I think, built a brand new stadium. So that's a factor. Yeah, I think it can be a big factor. And I think even now, I mean, I hate to rehash it because now it's, I guess, six or seven, at least five or six years old. But I think the baseball program, just being honest, I, I think the baseball program was a factor in Jameis Winston choosing Florida State over Alabama years ago. And, uh, and and if AJ Brown is 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 insistent on on playing college baseball, uh, uh, no doubt that Mississippi State program is is going to be a big draw to him over in Alabama. I think that's it is. Like, Alabama did just bring a new stadium, and uh, so sure. it's you know, it it, it sure. and, you know I'm sure I'm sure nobody I'm sure Miss Gaspard wants in, in Alabama more than you or I do, and that's saying something. But, I think Alabama's got a very more than a puncher's chance. I, I'm going to say 65-35 Alabama yeah. over State because he has told people that he doesn't have a problem leaving Starkville. Uh, if that's there are true, factors it, like the if, dad. If, if he's, the dad yeah. wants baseball to be right. a big part of it, and you know, so it, you're, you're going against more than just the kid here. Well, I know, I know this. I'll go into next Wednesday hoping that AJ Brown signs with Alabama, and and I, I only hope for things that are realistic. Right. Well, I'm I'm projecting really. Alabama, but I'm not calling him a lock or even a heavy lean. I'm th- I'm thinking it's six. We signed 30. Keith Gavin. We signed Keith Gavin and AJ Brown. We need to start making reservations in all the national championship sites in the next two or four years. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying things are things are no looking pretty good, but they've been looking okay. good for a while. So. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to a different position, and, and I think there are two guys vying for one spot. 
I do not think both guys will be in the class, and I know the pecking order. And the pecking order is number one, uh, Maiden, and number two, Shaheim Carter. Now, Oklahoma people will tell you they're getting Maiden, a great cornerback, but there are starting to be some people, Jimmy, in other parts of the country that are starting to project Maiden to Alabama. And I say if Bama gets Maiden, they don't take Shaheim Carter. I say if Oklahoma gets Maiden, Alabama does take Shaheim Carter, who's apparently agreed to wait because he wants to be here so long, even though he decommitted and uh, is still not considered an Alabama commitment. So tell me how you assess that situation or if you think, which I don't, but if you think they would take both. And considering they've already got Nigel Knott, in, my, in our opinion, silent. Right, and and I think we both I, – I agree that Nigel not sort of a done deal, so that that's one corner. I I also think that sometimes it's, it's, it's too easy for us to say, well, is Alabama going to take three corners? But that's not the only number they have to look at. They still have to look at the 25 and the 85 number. And uh, I, I think at some point, you know, how many corners are we going to take versus all the other spots? I mean, so – I don't know that it's it's necessarily we can only take two corners. I think in terms of a cornerback need, we might need three or four corners, frankly. But but there's no way we're going to take three or four corners when we have a 25 cap and an 85 cap. So I, I don't really know that it's either or with that guy. I don't know with that position. I don't know that. But I, I read it the same way you do. I I would think we have a better shot at Carter in the sense that he's been committed to us before. He decommitted due to his relationship with Jeremy Pruitt. Now he's got his relationship with Pruitt and his original school all lined up. I mean, it just makes sense to me that Carter really favors Alabama. Maiden, I think just the real fact, the, the real X factor I'm just unaware of is, is is his dad and his family's connection to Oklahoma. I don't know how strong that is. I will say about Maiden, if Maiden can get Nick Saban to do the wobble in his house, if Maiden's not leaning to Alabama, that's a really evil move on his part. Don't don't get Alabama's coach to do the wobble and then sign with someone else. Fair. That's fair. And as funny as that is, that's actually not a ridiculous statement. Uh, no. But there are people that I would think would be projecting him to Oklahoma that are starting projecting to Alabama. I don't have any yeah. inside knowledge on, on the Maiden situation. The reason I think there will only be one more corner is because they have, even though he's on double secret probation, they have uh, allowed Tony Brown to still be part of the football program. So I don't think right. that there's a gigantic need, considering that if he does keep his nose leaked clean, Tony will be here two more years. I, I think that right. negates the need for a guy. Right. Well, I don't think there's a need for a corner next season. I, I, I don't think we need a corner to play a significant role in 2016. But overall... Marlin is draft eligible. He's a redshirt sophomore. Tony Brown is draft eligible. I'm not saying that would happen. He's a junior who may or may not be on the team. Um, I also think that, uh, uh, you know, you got Kendall Sheffield, Anthony Averett, uh, Mo Smith sometimes plays corner, sometimes plays safety. I'm going to say our numbers, the, while all the corners we have are good and promising, we don't have a lot of numbers there. So, I wouldn't be shocked if we took three, frankly. And in terms of projecting who we're going to end up with, I, I I would guess today not for sure. Carter probably, Maiden maybe. So that, that's the words I would use. 
Either way, you're getting a very good player down the road. Anyway. Oh, man, I, I, uh, I, I love all three of those guys, by the way. And, uh, okay. and and to be honest, even though I say he's a maybe, of the three, in terms of a pure corner, I think I like Maiden the best. I think I'll have it up, too. But not. Not upside is fantastic. He, he's just going to need a little coaching. But Maiden would be more of a Minka type that could jump in the rotation quicker than you think. Totally agree. Uh, totally agree. Maiden's the, uh, the kid that will play next fall. Uh, that, that's what I would believe. Very possible. I don't think he'd redshirt. Yep. Uh, but I but I didn't think Marlon would redshirt either, Jimmy, so what do I know? Um, all right, last position to discuss before we get into some people that I don't think Alabama's going to take. Last position to discuss. Uh, Mikhail Carter from Georgia's on campus now. Uh, Jamar mm-hmm. King, one of the top defensive tackles in the whole junior college ranks, if not the top, has already been to campus. Uh, Mikhail mm-hmm. Carter, in the estimation of most people, even though he's in Tuscaloosa right now for midweek, in the estimation of most people, and feel free to disagree because I know we don't have the same sources, but most people think Mikhail Carter is going to Georgia. Therefore, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to project that if he does, that Alabama immediately takes Jamar King. That makes uh, perfect sense to me. Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, if, I, I wouldn't dispute that opinion at all. Uh, I'll just say that I like both those kids a lot. I particularly like uh, Carter. I think. There's a defensive tackle in Georgia that gets a ton of attention named Derek Brown, and Derek Brown is a, is a fantastic prospect that any program in the United States would take. I'm just telling you, when I watch tape of Derek Brown and watch tape of Carter, I, I don't see the real difference there. I think Carter is, is every bit as good or, or, or nearly as good as Derek Brown, and, and if, uh, he's, he's one I would love for Alabama to sign because I think Carter is such a great fit in our scheme and what we do. And Carter reminds me of, of a young Jaron Reed. That's who he reminds me of. And, man, I hope it's Alabama. But I'm with you, Kerry. I, 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 you know, gun to my head, I well, say Derek, Georgia. I've seen Derek play in person, Jimmy, because my nephew played with him in high school. And the game I saw him play, he had, like, five sacks, uh, about three hurries, a, a PBU, an interception return for a touchdown, and blocked a punt. I think he's more like Ashawn, and I really? agree with you on Mikhail being more like Jaron. Uh, yeah, they're 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 both very good players, and they're both going to play at the next level, but they're not exactly the same player. Uh, Derek is more qualified to see time at end than Mikhail is. Uh, Mikhail's a tackle, pure and simple. You need both those kind of guys. Derek is also a tackle when he wants to be, but he's athletic enough. Let me tell you this: I got to the stadium. And Derek is out there doing warm-ups with the wide receivers. That's uh, amazing. You know, 6'4", 320, and running slant routes. And it was just like, I'm assuming you are know, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you believe Derek is signing with Auburn? Unfortunately, I do. And I was told he was down to Alabama and Auburn. And if that's the yeah, case, I, agree that. I think he's going to Auburn. I never thought until two or three days ago that he was going anywhere but Georgia. But I don't know what they yeah. did, but I don't think Georgia's going to get him now. I honestly think he's going to sign with Auburn. I, I'm sick about it because I saw him play person. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I could have lived with him going to Georgia, but, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sick about it. But I do think he's going to Auburn, Jimmy. I sure do. Yeah, I think he's going to Auburn, too. And uh, I was the same opinion. A month ago, I would have bet money as Georgia. Now I think it's Auburn. The weird thing is we're we're in second place. But a month ago it was Georgia. Today it's Auburn. That, that, that's 
that's the way I read that one. But, uh, man, if we end up with Michael, Michael Carter, I, I don't even care. I mean, in terms of I, I think Carter is fantastic. I think it should be uh, – I read one, one guy's opinion today. I agree with totally 100%. In my opinion, Carter is a national top 50 player. I don't think anybody ranks him there, but I would. I'd love to get him, but my 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 instincts and my gut and even a couple sources think he's going to go to Georgia. I know he's there right now, and perhaps he can be turned during this midweek visit, but my gut says Georgia for him, and my gut says if he does go to Georgia, we immediately take Jamar King, which is not really that bad of a deal. It's just that you don't have him too. No, years. no. Uh, and the thing with King, one thing I love about King, you know, we'll talk about his age forever, but the fact of the matter is he's a mature guy, he's a hardworking guy, uh, you know, is. His time for playing in the NFL will be very short. I, I think Jamar King, we're getting a mature guy at 100% effort and a good player, and uh, I, I'll, I'll be fine with, with adding Jamar King, who is clearly, if there ever was one, a plug-and-play guy. We, we signed Jamar King. He's playing next season. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and there's a place for him with Sean leaving to play. So, no question. Uh, he, and with no Jaron to play. No, when we play nine, we play nine guys at that spot. You know, we play nine guys in the interior defensive line this year with the first team. Uh, uh, Jamar King could easily be the the fifth, sixth, seventh guy. He he play for sure. I, I would totally agree. And I'm only going to ask you about one more guy, and and it's a guy that at one point people had convinced me we were going to take, uh, even though there was talk about Lashley coming. There were people that had me convinced for a couple of days, and I no longer believe this, that we were going to take Landon Dickerson. But, Jimmy, I no longer project him in this class. Uh, I, I wouldn't either. I've never projected Landon part of the class. But I will say one, one, one I guess I'll call him a source, <laughs> one very knowledgeable person close to the program has been pretty insistent that we would end up with Dickerson, and, and he's right a lot of the time. But but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Kerry. I, I I think if there is one more offensive lineman in this class, it'll be Lashley and not Dickerson, who is a really good prospect and, and is a definite take. See, the thing is, I mean, people get people might get a little confused about that term take. It's not like there's only 25 takes out there. There's 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 130 takes out there, and there's, you know there's there's a lot of kids good enough to play for Nick Saban's Alabama, but but we have to want to marry 25 of them, and they have to want to marry us, and and and. And this whole process is about getting hooked up in that way. And and I just think while Dickerson's plenty good for Alabama, uh, I just I just in the end don't think there's going to be room. Well, I'll, there is one more thing I have to ask you: uh, Will there be another running back in this class? I, I think there will be, and, and I think it may right. be Jacobs if we if we can get him to uh, right. move. But I think Pentamon may actually end up at A&M and not Ole Miss or Alabama. So where, where, where do you see the running back situation as we speak? And I know it changes hourly. Yeah, it really does. Uh, I'd, I'd say Pentamon at, uh, at, at Texas A&M sounds right to me uh, late. But, but also, <laughs> to, to show this is such a wishy-washy lawyer answer, but uh, yes, I believe there will be a second running back in this class. And please don't make me predict who that running back will be. Uh, because, gosh, it could be any of my I, – I'm a fan of Jacobs as of this week, uh, a, a guy like me who follows recruiting every single day, 365 days a year, and, and we're just finding out about Joshua Jacobs, you know, a week ago. Uh, but I love the tape. He's small. 
it reminds me quite a bit of Drake, reminds me quite a bit of Kenyon Drake uh, in terms of his explosion and acceleration and and how good he could be as a third down back. But uh, we'll see. Those certain recruiting stories, uh, you know, I don't know how often that works out. But my answer is yes. I think he'll be a second back. I, I'm I'm just can't sell myself on which one of these kids it's going to be. Uh, several of them are good. None of them are awesome, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I got a text just now saying Pentamon is not completely out. That's why no move on Jacobs yet for the weekend visit. That could still change, though. The weekend isn't even all the way here yet. Um, another thing I guess we can address, since I can't get a hold of Thomas about the break, is uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of speculation now about gray shirts. Uh, I think a lot of people think that Riley Cole could gray shirt. Some think Joshua Perry could gray shirt. And a name I just heard for the first time a few minutes ago that it's a possible gray shirt if we get everybody we want, Jimmy. We don't always get everybody we want. But maybe even Brandon Scales. Are those are those realistic names? That's such a tricky situation. Uh, I, I, I would just hate to – it's just total speculation on my part. So, uh, well, I, we won't I, do that, I, I tell you what happened to me last I mean, time I guessed about gray shirts. You know what happened to me? The last time right. I went online and guessed about gray shirts, my great friend Rodney Orr gives my cell number to Charlie North, and I get this random phone call. Please <laughs> uh, don't be going on the internet and guessing a gray shirt. So I guess we shouldn't do that. So strike well, that there's last. Also this. There's also this. I know Christian Bell gray shirted last year, so that's one. Right. But since the implementation of the new hard 25 rule, there are fewer gray shirts, not only at Alabama but all over the country. The hard 25 rule sort of sort of made it tough because you you might gray shirt a kid, but you know keep in mind gray shirting now, gray shirting now. What was I don't even like using Riley Cole as an example because you know I, I don't know anything about that, but. If Riley Cole is going to gray shirt, that probably means he's not going to sign with us on signing day. And what that means is from February all the way to August, he can sign with any program he wants and we lose him. So I'm just saying gray shirting is a little different now since the implementation of the hard 25 rule, and, and we just see less of it for a reason. But it does happen, and, and, and there's no way adamantly you can say, oh, there won't be any gray shirts. We just gray shirted a kid last year so. Very possible, but uh, I, I wouldn't assume that it's definite. All right. Well, on that note, Jimmy, I want to thank you for giving us nearly an hour of your time. Uh, it's been a great insight. We always love having you here on BAMS. And before we let you go, uh, go ahead and promote the, the podcast that yourself and, and Luke Robinson do for our listeners. Hey, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Luke Robinson from uh, the Sports Blitz in Alexander City. Uh, Luke and I do a podcast every week called Talk in Tuscaloosa and anyone can just Google anyone can just Google Talk in Tuscaloosa and listen to the latest show or go through our archives and listen to past shows or you can follow me on Twitter at LJS Law or uh follow Luke Robinson at L Robinson twenty one on uh on Twitter and uh we really enjoy putting that podcast together and thanks again Carrie for having me on uh having me on BAMS radio. I enjoy it every uh every time. Well, that's great, and we'll have you on again sooner than later, if nothing else, but to give us your projected AJ depth, a day depth chart. So we'll oh, do that. Looking for uh, it. Yeah, and we won't have you wait that long. Yeah, I'm I sure have you some do. thought. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll give you one. I'll give you one for me, just to, to throw you a bone. 
Uh, Ronnie Clark to H-back. Yeah, it's the best fit for him. It's the best position for him. And I think Ryan Clark's contribution at Alabama will be at that spot. My only concern would be we're just so thin at running back. I, I don't know that they'll move some guy out of there, but agree 100% that Ryan Clark, his future, his best position is H-back. All right. Well, thank you, Jimmy. That's uh, Jimmy Stein, a great friend of the show. You know him on the Internet as LJS Law. Uh, at LJS Law is his Twitter. We're going to go ahead and take our one and only break of the night before we come back and get a hold of Kirk McNair from Bama Magazine. But for now, you're listening to BAM's Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee byway. One arm on the wheel. Holding my lover with the other, a sweet, soft, southern thrill. Worked hard all week, got a little jingle on a Tennessee Saturday night. Couldn't feel better, I'm together with my Dixieland tonight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler, need the mouth of moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little loving, a little turn of dubbing on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life, oh, so right. My on clover, red-tailed hawk, sitting on a limb, chubby old groundhog, croaking bullfrog, free as a feeling in the wind, homegrown country girl, gonna give me a whirl, on a Tennessee Saturday night, lucky as a seven. Living in heaven with my Dixieland delight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler, meet the mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little loving, a little turn of dubbing on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life.
Welcome back to BAMS Radio, hour number two. And, hey, just because you don't hear Dixieland Delight at Bryant-Denny any longer doesn't mean you can't hear it here on BAMS Radio. It's currently 12 minutes after the hour, if you're listening live, that is. In fact, if you're listening in the central time, it's 8.12 p.m. And it is Thursday night, but, of course, we know many of you listen via the podcast, and that's great. We we love that. A uh, lot going on tonight. Uh, we still have a couple more guests left. That was a great uh, roughly 50-something minutes of uh, recruiting talk with Jimmy Stein. And uh, I gave him the list of everyone I thought might be private to Alabama, and he agreed on all but one of them. So uh, we'll get Drew's opinion on that when he calls in, hopefully, later this hour. We're still hoping to hear from Drew. Drew DeArmond of 977 The Zone in Huntsville. Not with us right now because he's covering a high school basketball game up in uh, the Rocket City of Huntsville between Huntsville High, his alma mater, and uh, J.O. Johnson, which is coached by the legendary Jack Doss, who coached people like Buck Johnson and Trevor Lacey and uh, people like that. So uh, they've got a guy who's a junior on the team right now who's one of the top prospects in the state, John Petty, and Drew will tell us hopefully how he did tonight. Uh, if we can get Drew on before 9 Central, it is 13 after 8 now, and I'm going to give uh, Thomas a little bit of time to work our next guest, and we've already got him. So let me go ahead and bring on now, uh, after we spent most of the first hour talking recruiting, we're going to talk a little regular football now. Uh, we're joined by a great friend of the show and a great friend of mine, my colleague at BamaMag.com and the founder of Bama Magazine, uh, Mr. Kirk McNair. Kirk, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm great. How are you all tonight? We're good. We're good. Uh, we're working Drewless right now because he's up there watching Jack Dawes coach basketball at uh, – Huntsville High School with Dale Johnson playing, and we're hoping to hear from him later. So we had a, a, a full first hour almost of recruiting. Uh, we talked a little bit of basketball. And I'll start out with that with you before we get to our main topic. Um, Kirk, you and I sat there and watched the basketball game Tuesday night at Coleman Coliseum. And with a little over 11 minutes to go, I think you and myself and Drew, who sat with us, had, had pretty much conceded to Tennessee down 15. But... Fortunately, Kirk, uh, Avery Johnson and his kids didn't see it that way. Well, that's right. Uh, I, I don't know. I think we both we had both already started writing our stories with a, a very unfortunate lead for both of us. Uh, that uh, for, on the good side, we were able to uh, tear it up and throw it away. It was uh, uh, there was going to be a great, great finish for the Crimson Tide, and I. I've been around a long time, and I've seen very few comebacks like that. And uh, the ones that I have seen were by very good teams. And as much as we appreciate what Avery Johnson's done with what he's got, uh, we're by no stretch of the imagination of a top team right now. We're going to get there, I think. But uh, that was an amazing comeback by this Alabama team. And when you were sitting there watching it, uh I know you were amazed like I was, and, and I know we looked at each other incredulously a few times, but 
What highlights jump out in your mind now, 48 hours later from those last, say, seven or eight minutes, Kirk? Well, first of all, uh, Shannon Hale, uh, who you know is blows hot and cold sometimes, and he was he was hot as a firecracker. Uh, I'm not sure if he scored ten straight points, but he had ten points in that comeback. And then, of course, uh, uh, you have to think about the two clutch baskets that that uh, uh, Retnobasahan made to to get us tied up. And then for a full game, if you see anybody that plays any harder than Riley Norris, I'd like to, I'd like to know who it is. He is just it's about as good a hustle guy as I've ever seen. And then, uh, of course, you have to think about Dante Hall and how many minutes he got, uh, as many as he could before he fouled out, and uh, Jimmy Taylor riding the pine for, that, uh, for, the, for virtually uh, three-quarters of the game. So those are some of the things, and then of course you've got to remember Arthur Edwards for that uh, finally taking and making a three-point shot uh, there in the last uh, minute or so. And is it, is it just me, Kirk, or or the post-game conferences of basketball not only starting quicker but uh, containing more livelihood than in the past six years? Oh, no question. Avery Johnson appreciates the media. Uh, you know, some coaches don't appreciate them and, and show it in their disdain for the job that we have to do. And unfortunately, uh, Anthony Grant was it was in that corner. Some people may not like them, but they understand the job and help us do our job, even though we maybe are a little uncomfortable sometimes. I think you know where I'm going there, Nick Saban. And then there's somebody like uh, uh, Avery Johnson, who, if he doesn't like the media, he's a great actor. <laughs> and, and, of course, he's been a part of the media uh, when he worked for ESPN. So he understands our job, and he makes it, not only makes it easy by being prompt, but also, of course, as you say, uh, gives great information uh, uh, in a comfortable way. He's very... Uh, uh, I'm not going to say unassuming, but uh, uh, <clears throat> he makes light of a lot of things that are when you know he's got serious things on his mind. And uh, and then he also answers the questions very well. So all in all, uh, the things are things are good in a lot of ways in covering Alabama basketball. Uh, all of us wish that we could be a little bit better team, but I think we see that coming. I've, I've said to several people, maybe even you, that Avery Johnson's proved to me that he's a good coach because Alabama gets so many wide-open shots. Now he's got to prove he's a great recruiter and get some people who can make those shots because that's where we're lacking, uh, uh, particularly uh, usually in free throws, but we were very good against Tennessee in free throws. Yeah, He's even so personal that he's slowly but surely learning every media member that's regularly first name. And I don't recall even like Wimp or Godfrey even doing that. They might do it with Cecil, but Avery is learning like names. It just like like he knows Drew already. If Drew asks him a question, he'll say, "Well, Drew, you know, it's just it's just <laughs> such a personable guy." I mean, it's like, is this really happening? Well, I have noticed that. <laughs> I think he's a little uncomfortable with me because he doesn't know if he needs to call me Mr. McNair or not because I'm so much older. But uh, we did talk one day, and uh, 
and uh, he does call me Kirk. So <laughs> I, uh, I understand that, though, and uh, uh, he's, he's just a delight in so many ways. Turning to football, uh, the Senior Bowl is going on right now, and it will uh, – the practices, that is, and uh, the game itself will be Saturday. Alabama's got five young men down there, uh, Cyrus Jones, Jaron Reed, Kenyon Drake, Jake Coker, and Reggie Ragland. All of them at times this week have done well. But, Kirk, BallonBag.com has got a millionaire, jet set, playboy, man about town down there covering it every day for us. <laughs> That's right. I, he said him. He's everywhere. He's everywhere and uh, enjoys enjoys what he does. And uh, um, he's down there with his uh, little video camera and, uh, and putting up stuff every day at, uh, on BamaMag.com. He's uh, he really is a uh, a guy who's living the dream uh, in his job. So it's a uh, that's a nice thing to have. And by the same token, we're less than a week from National Signing Day, which is like a religious holiday for some people in the Bama Nation. Uh, it, it means a lot to a lot of people, and uh, it's the busiest time of the year for a guy who I think we can safely say has been a blessing to our site the last few years, and, and he's working as hard as ever in John Garcia. Well, he really is. We were on the phone briefly tonight, and he said, i got to go. I've got a radio show to do. And I said, I understand. And and we did a little texting and emailing to to make sure we were getting everything covered. I think he's on a chat right now, maybe. Uh, and uh, it's uh, you're right. It is a busy time, and it's made more busy by uh, by the uh, famous or infamous, depending on how you look at it, flip. And that's what you're, you know, one of the things that keeps everybody on their toes right now are are these guys who are committed to one place, but they're still looking around and and might, uh, you know, it might be flipped. Uh, Alabama, I think, had five people at their last recruiting weekend who had uh, who had already who'd committed elsewhere. So uh, there's a lot, the lot that goes on. The one thing that uh, I've discovered over the last oh, half dozen years plus, is that uh, you don't need to worry about it too much at Alabama. It's going to be taken care of. But I will say right now, uh, you look at it, and, and Alabama's got a lot of a lot of scholarships yet to uh, have designated to someone, but they are certainly in on a, a lot of very, very good football players. Well, I informed my boss at my full-time job that, I'd be next to work with next Wednesday, so I need to go ahead and put him for vacation. And uh, she's an Alabama graduate, so she understood and approved it. So uh, I think the announcement's going to start maybe as early as 7 or 8 in the morning our time. And they'll be going on all day on places like ESPNU, the SEC Network, what have you. And I plan to be a, a big part of it uh, as an observer and a, and a poster on our board and, uh, you know, trying to support John a little bit and uh, – and, of course, I'll see you down there at the uh, Red Elephant Gathering when Coach Saban and each member of his staff gets a chance to say a few words about the new member uh, of their uh, playing rotation. That's always a lot of fun. Look forward to that. So uh, signing day is a big deal, and BowMag.com has got it all covered for you, just like we had the Senior Bowl covered, uh, just like we had the bowl games covered, just like we have Alabama basketball covered. And uh, we're going to do some special things in a few weeks, Kirk. Uh, in covering the opening of the new 
uh, baseball stadium. Yeah, I had the opportunity to go through the new Sewell Thomas Stadium, and it is. It's new. It's uh, there's not, If there's a shred of anything left from before, it's not obvious. Uh, it is a magnificent uh, stadium. I, my, my job, I, I was with Bill Battle, who was sort of leading the tour, and we walked into the locker room, and my jaw really, <laughs> literally fell. I just went open mouth. I could not believe how beautiful it was and how, what a functional place it is. And, of course, it's going to be uh, great for the fans. Uh, they have really done a terrific job. It's going to be uh, great for recruiting. Uh, and, of course, the players we have now have just got to love everything about it. And uh, Alabama's moved to the first base dugout side this year, and, and behind that dugout is uh, – just an amazing array of rooms, a tra- training room, team meeting room, the locker room that I mentioned, uh, a fabulous uh, team room of uh, pin, uh, excuse me, ping pong and uh, billiards and uh, games and television sets everywhere. So it's a place where they can hang out and, and really have a, have a great experience as Alabama baseball players. Well, you didn't mention the press box. Anything stand out there? The press box is absolutely wonderful. (laughs) I can't imagine that there's going to be any media member who's not uh, very, very happy with that. The real deal is going to be for the rich people because they've got some nice clubs and some nice suites, as you'd expect. And, uh, (laughs) Uh, it's just it's a lot like Bryant-Denny Stadium's redo and that everything is just a tremendous attention to detail. And uh, I can't imagine that the fans aren't going to just love it. I hope there's at least a little bit of hope that we don't have to go with concession stand vouchers at that new stadium, but I've got a funny feeling, Kirk. <laughs> well, uh, you know. Uh, it is what it is. It is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll move on from that. And uh, Kirk, uh, just a few days ago, uh, earlier this week, was the anniversary of uh, a dear friend of yours passing, Coach Paul Bear Bryant, back in 1983. And I know that that's always a, a little bit of a tough day for you. Uh, what was going through your mind uh, this week when that happened? Well, the first thing that went through my mind when I woke up that morning, uh, you know, I just... Uh, I knew. I mean, I'd thought about it the day before, and I knew. And it was the first thing I thought about when I woke up, and and wondered uh, when it would occur to people, and it would end up on on our board, and and uh, kind of hoped I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have a lot to do about it that day. Uh, it's just sort of a just sort of a tough. Yeah, it is a tough day, and and uh, you know he'd been. He'd been a very old man now, but he was by no stretch of the imagination in today's world as somebody who's 69 years old, an old person. Uh, so it was, uh, you I thought he scared? left us too soon, and uh, it was uh, it was a terrible, terrible day the day it happened. Uh, anybody who was around knows where they were when they heard the news, and you know it's just one of those things that's always in your mind and and uh <clears throat> I'm one time I felt guilty 
because I thought, you know, I'm not sure I think about Coach Brian every day and things he said every day. I do a lot. And then I talked to Gene Stallings one day, and he said, no, not every day, but a lot. So, you know, if it was <laughs> so I don't feel guilty that I uh, that I didn't think about him, but there are not many days I don't. Back when you worked for him, before you started Bama Magazine uh, for the 79 season, you worked for him for, I know, a number of years. Uh, what years were those, and what exactly were your responsibilities on a daily basis? Yeah, 1970 through 79, and, of course, the most uh, satisfying uh, job that I had to do was, was meet with him every day after practice and after games. And... Uh, a lot of times I was the only one who met with him because we didn't have media coverage then like we do now. So I would take, you know, the notes from practice from him and the notes and quotes and send them out to the wire services and the, the larger newspapers in the state. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I just learned a lot about football, talking to him, you know, by myself, as I say, a lot of days. And uh, he was a wonderful person to work for. You work hard, but uh, Sang Lata, uh, who was the trainer then and about my age, we were were and still are best friends. And Sang said one day, he said, you know, Kirk, we couldn't wait to get up every day and go to work. And that's true. We worked long hours and we worked hard and didn't get many days off, but neither did Coach Bryant take many days off. Or, and he was, you didn't want to get there after him if you could help it. And, uh, you know, we stayed till he left, too, because he was working so hard, you felt like you'd let him down if you didn't. Speaking of that, for the listeners that are young enough to have never heard the story, why don't you tell them that, about the time he called down to the Auburn football office? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if that really happened or not. If you'd have called our offices that early, somebody, it might be that nobody would have answered either. But, uh, yeah, he had called down, and it was around 7 o'clock or something, and nobody answered the phone. And and he said uh, he guessed they didn't take football very seriously down at Auburn. So uh, we had a funny phone system when I was there. The phone, If the phone rang, it rang in everyone's office. And, you know, you had a little row of buttons and you could see which line was ringing so you know coach bryant might answer it not very likely but he might um i know that cm answered it one day and got a guy who was complaining because we'd lost a bowl game and uh, this was like on new year's day or the day after new year's of course cm was there because he had basketball to attend to and he answered the phone and had sort of a uh a pissy response to the to the fellow <laughs> Uh, so it was a funny phone system then, but uh, um, and you might end up accidentally picking up Coach Bryant's call or uh, those sorts of things that uh, we laugh about now. I can see CM picking up and going, Chug, who? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell me what it was like, Kirk, to transition from working for him for, for nine years to all of a sudden – his last uh, four years or so covering him. Well, I had covered him before I went to work for him. So, um, right, I forgot about I that. I was always comfortable with him. Uh, he made me comfortable. I know a lot of people were uncomfortable with him. Uh, maybe I was just too stupid to realize I should have been afraid of him or something, but I never was afraid of him. I 
certainly respected him as much as I could respect any person I've ever known. But, um, you know, he always answered my questions. Or, uh, he was always very helpful to me. First of all, I worked for the Post-Herald, and he knew that uh, even though the Birmingham News was the the biggest paper and the Sunday paper and the most important paper, and he was certainly friends with Benny Marshall and, and later Al Van Hoos, who, who replaced Benny, and, and Clyde Bolton, who replaced uh, Alf, and even though he was, uh, I think, uh, sort of making sure they got t- taken care of, uh, he understood my plight as, as the, uh, working for the Post-Herald, which from the Saturday game didn't come out until Monday morning. Um, and so uh, I always hung around after uh, everybody was sort of through with him, and then I'd get in a few questions that were different so that I'd just have something fresh to, to write a story with. So he was always helpful to me as a reporter, and then when I went to work for him, uh, of course, I, I'm not going to – you said dear friend, and, and, you know, as much as I admired him and as nice and wonderful as he was to me, you know, I, I wasn't really in his friend circle. Uh, and uh, But after – I started Bama Magazine. He was very supportive of me, uh, enabled us to, you know, to have a special interview time with him on on Sundays after he got back from doing his TV show. And uh, so it was a, a good relationship with him in every respect that I, that I had with him. When I was driving down to the ball game Tuesday, which was the Pacific anniversary, of the death, I was listening to a Tuscaloosa station that was doing a tribute to him, and some of the people that called in were too young to have even been around when he coached, but they still wanted to call in because they were so aware of the legacy that he left with his six national championships. And one of the people said, "You know, I wasn't around for Coach Bryant, but I was around for Gene Stallings, so he was kind of my Coach Bryant." How do you compare and contrast those two guys as head coaches and as uh, as to their media friendliness? Well, they were both both understood that the media had a job to do, and uh, even more than than Coach Bryant, I think Coach Stallings went out of his way to make that possible. He was a uh, very very easy to get along with. Um, a guy from a media standpoint. In fact, uh, the very last day that Alabama practiced at uh, Thomas Field uh, before going to the bowl game, the last bowl game that Gene Stylings coached at Alabama, I I was the only media guy out there. And he walked off the field and said, uh, you need to talk about something, Kirk? And I said, Coach, I really don't. I said, uh, I was at your first practice at this field, and I wanted to be at this one, and uh, and he said, "Well, let's go upstairs and talk," you know. And and I walked upstairs, and we went to his office, and just chatted for a while about different things, some that'll never never be printed, uh, about why maybe that he had been, uh, how he had determined that he needed to go ahead and leave Alabama, and uh, um, just just about things, things that were interesting or important talked about johnny and how much he was going to miss being able to go to the training room and 
you know, little things like that that are important. So he was great to deal with. Coach Bryan understood the media. One day he had a closed practice uh, that it was uh, sort of put the fear of God in everybody on the staff who had invited people to practice and had to call them and tell them they couldn't come. And after practice, I was the only one there, of course, to get the notes. And it was a Saturday scrimmage in the spring at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And back then, you know, every anybody could just walk in and watch it ordinarily. But uh, I'd call the reporters, you know, that covered us. When we scrimmaged, we'd have a few more and told them not to bother to come. It was closed. And so as I walked out to talk to Coach Bryant there on the corner of the uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium field, he was uh, look, sort of looking around. He said, but where are the riders? And I said, Coach, you told me it was a closed practice. And I told him not to bother coming. He said, Well, I didn't mean them. They're our friends. So you know, it was a yeah. He 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 appreciated the media. Okay, and you know, to that point, getting back to Coach Bryant, uh, I understand that there were certain people in the media, uh, particularly Birmingham riders that actually got invited up to his hotel suite like the night before a game at Legion Field. Is that accurate? Uh, That is accurate for some games. Uh, I'll tell you when that happened. That would happen uh, late in the season usually, after the Tennessee game. (laughs) Uh, uh, And there'd usually be bowl people there. So uh, there'd be a little uh, gathering of bowl people and – a very few reporters, uh, Bill Lumpkin, uh, Van Hoos, or Benny Marshall, um, yeah, maybe, maybe know, just a very few, but Bill Easterling from Huntsville, maybe George Smith from Anniston, Jimmy Smothers from Gadsden, uh, Charlie Land has been the sports editor at Tuscaloosa News when and and he was uh but it was a it was a fairly small group okay well that that's just still pretty neat to think of a coach doing that and last question Kurt before I let you go uh people who are already subscribed to bamamag.com know this but you've been doing a a, a series uh, about the prospective candidates at the quarterback position for the 2016 Alabama season. Uh, just tell our uh, people that haven't had a chance to read those yet what they can expect to read in that series of articles. Yeah, it's a four-part series that I've, uh, uh, you know, when we go to a bowl game or a BC, what, not, it's not a bowl, BCS anymore now, it's a, what, the group of six or whatever uh, bowls. If you go to one of those, the there's part of the of the protocol is that all assistant coaches and all players have to be made available for interviews on one day. And it's a hectic day, but uh, we managed to get uh, interviews with all of, or all of the quarterbacks who we thought would be back for this year. So we, you know, that included Alec Morris, uh, who, uh, who, did, who elected not to come back. He transferred to North Texas. But we were able to take, talk to uh, um, Cooper Bateman, um, uh, David Cornwell and Blake Barnett, uh, the three prime candidates. Now, I know Jalen Hurts is here as a true fresh, freshman, and as good as he is, I just don't think a true freshman is going to be the 
starting quarterback at Alabama next year. So we've talked to those three. Uh, who Jalen Hurts, by the way, was not at either the Cotton Bowl or the national championship game, even though he had been able to participate in, in uh, preparation. So we talked to those three. We talked to Lane Kiffin and some other coaches, and we talked to a couple of other players about uh, about the quarterback situation. And so I managed to put it all together in a four-part series that ended today. Uh, but, of course, all four parts are still there on the Internet at BamaMag.com. And uh, we just talk about the overall situation at quarterback, uh, what's gone before the last two years particularly with a first-year starter. And we're going to have a first-year starter for the third consecutive year, which is very unusual, and uh, which one of those it might be. And we don't make any predictions on that because uh, they're working now on the leadership aspect of it and as they start the off-season conditioning, and then they'll have spring practice, and then they'll be here in the summer working, and uh, August fall camp will start. And it may not be decided uh, until shortly before or even possibly shortly after Alabama opens the season against Southern Cal. I'm sure everybody involved hopes it's decided before then, but uh, that is a possibility. All right, Kirk, I want to thank you again for your time tonight on BAMS Radio. I will certainly see you at some point uh, during the latter part of National Signing Day next Wednesday. I always look forward to that. And uh, just uh, thanks again for your time, and have a great night. My pleasure. All right, that's Kirk McNair from BamaMag.com on the Asian Rim Hotline, which has been very busy tonight. Hour one, we heard from Jimmy Stein, a.k.a. LJS Law, a very popular guy on Twitter. Uh the Asian Rim Hotline is, of course, brought to you by Asian Rim at the Colonnade. They are at uh, 205-490-1444. You can go to the website, AsianRim.com, and uh, you can actually give them a call at that number, 205-490-1444, to make your Valentine's Day reservations. Call them now and get that table reserved while you can. And if your sweetie loves Thai food, sushi, Barbecue, ribs, steak, they got it all there. Paige and Roy Hockman are your hosts. That's Asian Rim at the Colonnade in Birmingham, Alabama. Go to their website, check out the menu, www.asianrim.com. They are the sponsor of the Asian Rim Hotline. And joining us now on the Asian Rim Hotline is a guy who uh, probably is kind of sad that they closed the Asian Rim in Huntsville. Uh, They do still have the Birmingham location, but I know he knows how good it is. And we are joined now by the coach of the Alabama Frozen Tide, Coach Q, Mike Quinneville. Welcome back to BAMS Radio. Uh, hello, sir. Um, thanks for having me. And, yes, I do miss um, not having Asian Rim here in Huntsville, but I try to get there to the one in Birmingham um, when, we, when we play at home games. And you've been playing quite a few of those recently, Coach. I was privileged and, and enjoyed my time there uh, this past Saturday night, the middle game of a three-game sweep of Auburn. Uh, the final of the night I was there was 9-2, to two, but you won the other two games as well. You won the Iron Cup for, I believe, the ninth straight year. And, Coach, I don't believe since you took over the team that you've even lost a match to Auburn. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, told on Sunday that um, my record 17 and 17-0 against Auburn. So, um, you know, I give all the credit to the players that I've had over the years to um, to make that record possible. 
And, Coach, uh, what is the uh, overall record counting those three wins against Auburn? Um, so our overall record right now, we're 10-13-0-1. So, you know, okay. this year we jumped up to the Division One, uh, the Division One program, and in Division One, that record right now is 4-11-1. So that leaves us um, the remaining games – uh, which are pre- predominantly the SEC schools were um, six and two. Okay, and you were Division three the last number of years, and you jumped all the way up to one. Was there no thought given to trying two for a few years? Well, you know, there's um, so yes, yeah, so we spent ten years in Division three, and uh, we made the jump to Division one because there's there's not a lot of difference um, in the two. We feel like um, what stood stood us apart was, you know, the teams um, in Division One have to vote you in, and there's only 58 teams um, in that division, and we thought that would be the best division for our program. Fair enough. And uh, getting back to the Auburn series, uh, obviously, like you said, you you're 17 and 0. Uh, you have never lost an Iron Cup. I believe that's been going on for nine years. And uh, obviously, that's a two out of three deal. But when you sweep them every time, it doesn't matter about the two out of three. This past weekend, though, something I noticed that was different. Uh, it seemed like that there were more fights between the two teams. Did I just imagine that, or help me out here? I, I know there were quite a few the night I was there, and I was told there were even more Sunday. Well, you know, it um, it was a great atmosphere. I think Saturday night they announced the crowd at. I don't know, 3,300 people in a 3,000-seat arena. So it was pretty electric. And, and you know, <clears throat> there were there were, there were were several scuffles. Um, Sunday was a little bit worse. Um, and I think it's just, you know, two teams competing, two teams that don't like each other very much. Um, of course, you know, we were, we were reporting it to Auburn pretty good, and I think they were getting pretty upset um, that they weren't able to, to do much out there. And so they got uh, a little rowdy, and um, we just had to put them back in their place. Well, I think you did that, at least the night I was there. I, I tweeted out that uh, Alabama won the game and the fight and beat that butt all night. Was that a pretty accurate tweet? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I wish I would have thought, because <laughs> I would have favored it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite all right. Uh, the, whoever runs the actual hockey uh, feed did favor it, so uh, they, uh, somebody saw it. Yep, great. Uh, and, Coach, you know, you've got another series coming up this weekend uh, in Pelham, Alabama, uh, uh, against the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, what do we know about them hockey-wise? Well, you know, they're not having a great year. Um, they're, they're, I think they're, they're, they're seventh in, in the SCCHC this year. Um, but, you know, we're really excited to play them on Friday night at 8 p.m. and then Saturday at, at um, 7 p.m., and the reason for that, my three seniors over the past uh, three seasons have um, had a hard time against Ole Miss. Ole Miss um, kept us out of the national championship tournament a couple of years ago, where they beat us in the in the regional play. And and uh, you know uh, my guys haven't forgotten about that. And uh, they beat us one other time too. That was a pretty important game for us. So you know we're 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 can't wait for them to uh, to get in our barn on Friday night. Um, we know it's going to be a very physical game, similar to the Auburn game. 
Um, we know that they're going to be uh, have more depth and, and a better team than Auburn. And so, we, you know, we, we look forward to that Friday night start at 8 p.m. And after the Ole Miss series, what does the rest of the schedule bring? Yeah, so we got uh, – so the following weekend, um, we're going to host Navy Academy. And uh, we'll, we'll be playing Friday night at 8 and Saturday at 7. And on the Saturday night game, we're going to have a military appreciation night. So anybody, any active or retired military will, will be getting in free, and we're going to have a great program set up um, for that Saturday uh, game versus Navy. And then the weekend after that, which will be um, Valentine's Day weekend, we go out and play the University of Oklahoma on the road. So, uh, and, and that will complete our season. This year, we're we're not going to make the playoffs. So uh, our games, uh, our season will end uh, out at Oklahoma. So even if you won out, you would not make it? Correct. Will there be yeah. any type of SEC tournament? Well, there is an SEC tournament, but because we went Division One, um, we're not allowed to play in it this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you've so, only got, what, nine more games left? Eight or nine more games? Eight, eight more games, yes, sir. Yep. For the games that are in Pelham, uh, and for the people who uh, don't want to do the walk-up thing, and I recommend they don't do the walk-up thing because it's, uh, it can be a lengthy line at times. I've tried both ways. Uh, but for those who don't want to do the walk-up thing, how can they pre-order tickets, Coach? You know, I think they can call the the, the Pelham Civic Center, and uh, they can put their tickets on a, on a credit card, and they can pick them up at will call. So I don't know if the uh, Navy games uh, have been on sale yet, but I know the Ole Miss uh, tickets are on sale which is this Friday and Saturday, and then the following weekend we'll, we'll host uh, the Naval Academy. Well, I was only in the reserves for six years, but I did get veteran status because my unit was sent overseas to Bosnia, so I held, I kept my card, so I may have to show up that Navy game and get my free ticket, Coach. Uh, uh, oh, you have to. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, you know, they're Division One also, and, and right now we're currently ranked ahead of them in the standings, and, uh, you know, we look forward to hosting them. I, I think we're going to try to make that up an annual uh, um, um, uh, games where they come here this year and the next year we get to go up up, up to Navy and, and play them at, at their rank. So looking to, to have that as a an annual event. Did you guys play Army this year? No, we did not play Army this year. No, no, sir. We, Is that a possibility um, down the road? Uh, you know, it, it's a possibility down the road. Um I just don't. Um, it, it just depends. <laughs> I'm not sure how that'll that'll uh, that'll happen. Um, and then, of course, the Air Force Academy has a team as well. But you know, that's a pretty long haul uh, when you when you think in Alabama to Colorado Springs. Oh, I know, I know. Just throwing it out there. I, I know a lot of uh, yeah. people like me that were in the Army would be thrilled to see them come to Pelham at some point. If you could work it out, if not, we understand. We appreciate the fact that you give us the opportunity to see Alabama play and destroy Auburn and compete heavily in a sport that's as fun as hockey. We think it's great, Coach. I enjoy it every time I come out there. Uh, I will tell people that have never been, you need to dress warmly because that, that ice in there is, is, is cold. So <laughs> dress warmly. Uh, you know, it, it's warmer in there than it is outside, but dress warmly and look for a great fun time. Final question before I let you go, Coach, and, uh, I, I recognize last year when I attended the game and also some previews I saw that you guys had your own separate mascot. I know that you're not allowed to use Big Al 
because he's for the uh, the Scott, the uh, actual collegiate sports and the club sports don't get to use him. But I noticed last year when I came that you guys had a version of an elephant walking around. I did not see that character this year. Is that is that version of, of a hockey mascot still around? Yeah, so we, we have Tusk. And um, poor Tusk this year hasn't showed up yet. Um, I believe uh, I believe that person retired, and, and uh, we haven't found a replacement. So, yeah, we still have it. Um, we're just not sure how come he hasn't shown up yet. Wow. Well, he needs to show up for Ole Miss, and he needs to show up for Navy. Dad, dumb it. Tusk, Absolutely. if you're listening, get off your butt. Coach Q, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you were kind enough to hold for a few minutes while we finished up with Kurt. And, uh, you know, I, again, I just want to thank you as an alumnus of the university for what you've done for the school with hockey. And I want to in- encourage everybody that's listening to make a trip to Pelham and check this team out as early as tomorrow night if you can, or the Navy Series. Just get out there and, and, and support them. The Frozen Tide is well worth your time. And, and Coach Q, we appreciate so much your time tonight on BAMS Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me, and roll tide. Roll tide, that's Coach Mike Quinneville. You know him as Coach Q. He uh, directs the Frozen Tide hockey team 17-0 and against Auburn University's hockey program, our own Mike Quinneville, who, by the way, drives down from Huntsville to coach the team in Pelham. Uh, and so, you know, he's a very dedicated guy. Appreciate what he's doing. Uh, they've struggled a little bit this first year in D1, but they'll get there. I've got confidence in him. Uh, again, 17-0 and against Auburn in, in a very winnable series this weekend against Ole Miss. But, but speaking of Huntsville, we want to go ahead and bring on the other member of our crew from Huntsville, even though we've only got about 10 more minutes. We'll probably extend a little bit tonight. Uh, but welcome back uh, on the BAMS radio, Drew DeArmond. Uh, I've kind of told the listeners where you've been, but tell us uh, more about that and, and what happened and how John Fetty did. Well, guys, uh, it's been unbelievable. I was part of history tonight. Uh, they called it the Downtown Dunk Classic, uh, the, its first annual, uh, the League Generals and the Johnson Jags, and the final chapter of a storied rivalry. There were 6,000 people in uh, the Don Braun Center's Probst Arena tonight. Uh, it was an electric atmosphere. Uh, the Johnson Jaguars were down 10 points, 46-36, mid-third quarter, a great rally by their team without Justin Hopkins, the Sanford commitment, who suffered a severe cut on his lip. He bled quite a bit. He didn't have another jersey, didn't have another uniform with him. So he was out for the game for about half the game. John Petty in front of Avery Johnson, Bob Simon, and Antoine Petway, 17 points and 13 rebounds. And the Johnson Jags win in the last five seconds. 63-61 in one of the best high school basketball games I've ever been privileged to witness. That sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, how did John get most of those 17 points? Inside, outside, combo, three pointers. He, he did a little bit of everything, guys. I mean, he did a little bit of everything. He had to with uh, John, uh, with uh, Justin Hopkins uh, out in, in the second half for much for much of the for half the basketball game. Uh, he, he hit a couple of threes. He drove to the rim. Uh, he played above the rim, you know, as far as rebounding the basketball, boxing shots. Did get a goaltending call away, but it still showed excellent hustle defensively. He got a little shaken up in the third quarter as well, but he played with a lot of energy and athleticism. And I know uh, it just whetted the appetites of a lot of people here. Jack Doss uh, told me after the game, uh, if he's not the best player in the country and Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama, then I'm Miss America. Well, Maybe we should let Steve Harvey in PA that night. 
<laughs> well, and I got, it was just a tremendous basketball game. I felt like I needed to be a part of it. I uh, made it right before tip-off after seven for Steve Moulton on the drive with West Neighbors. Uh, we uh, got through with Coach Jimmy Fuller and speaking of Alabama football, we're talking some ball with him and then got here for this event. And what an event it was. I, you know, I, I met Bob Simon, very nice guy, the associate head coach, Avery Johnson here. And, of course, uh, got caught up with Antoine Petway, who played here in Huntsville when I was the equipment manager for the Huntsville flight, the MBDL team back, you know, about a decade ago. So it was like, good to see all those guys. Good to have almost the whole staff here uh, recruiting John Petty. And, uh, the, you know, the, I think they're putting themselves in strong position. Uh, he would be very big for the future of Alabama basketball, as everyone knows. And uh, it was just a great day. This was historic tonight. I mean, 6,000 people uh, for a high school basketball game. I mean, it was so loud at the end. It was a crazy finish. In the end, tied at 61. The Lee Generals missing a driving layup. And the Johnson Jags getting a driving layup with under five seconds. And Lee missing a three at the buzzer in what was just a, an unforgettable night for high school basketball in the Rocket City. Drew, I think you just informed our listeners of something they had no no idea about. Boy, what's that? That you once washed Antoine Petway's jock. Well, I didn't go that. I did. Uh, I did. We, we did wash the uniforms. Uh, he, he played for us for a year, and really his one full year of professional basketball. He's still well known around here, and it's always good uh, to see uh, Antoine Petway. And it was good to see the Alabama staff come out strong. Uh, I had heard the night before that at least Avery Johnson and and, uh, and uh, Petway would be here. But it was good to see Bob Simon here. Uh, you know they're out there excited about the gutty comeback against Tennessee. Now they go on the road to Columbia, South Carolina. Of course, they gave they gave South Carolina a spank a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be interesting to see how that game goes, guys. And uh, just I'm I was, you know I hate it. for the listeners. I'm glad you know I was able to come on with you tonight for a few minutes. But uh, and I know we're going to take this over a little bit. But uh, I, I was just. I'm, I hope, I, you know, they were following me on Twitter and saw, you know, the tweets. Uh, you know, Alabama being here and, you know, this game was also televised. It will be tape delayed. Avery Johnson was on the broadcast at halftime. It was just a nice showcase for Alabama basketball and to show them, how, uh, you know, show John Petty how, how much he is wanted and needed in this state. Well, Drew, we, we've missed having you tonight, too. And if it's okay with you, we'd like to go to 930. Yeah, that's fine. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm good to go. Uh, I knew uh, I knew you guys had Jimmy Stein on. I know uh, he, I'm sure he has some good recruiting info as well. Oh, he did. He brought it. And w- what I did was I quizzed Jimmy on the ten guys that I think might be private to Alabama, and he agreed with me on nine of them. Drew, the only person he was a little wishy washy on was Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and all I, all I can say is. For someone close to a staff member, they feel really good going into this weekend about the finish of this class. Uh, you know that, but you know we'll have to see what happens in Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. Uh, but I think they're feeling like they're going to finish very strong. And you know all I'll say is watch a running back in Tulsa, Oklahoma that I found out about last the end of last week on Friday. He's been a fast riser. And his name is Jacobs, and I think the feeling is that if he does visit this weekend, that he'll commit to Alabama. And I think a lot of that's contingent upon what Ole Miss commitment uh, Devon Pennymon does, but a lot of people now think that Pennymon could end up at A&M if that's the case, Drew, and if Alabama convinces Jacobs to visit Tuscaloosa rather than Missouri, 
I, I'm prepared to put him in the class, but I don't have him as a commitment yet. Yes, and uh, all, all I can say is, is if Joshua Jacobs shows up in Tuscaloosa, uh, he will fill the need for the second back in this class. Devon Pennymon enjoyed his visit to Tuscaloosa, uh, but he will visit Oxford this weekend. He has been a long-time commit to the Rebels. Texas A&M has worked him hard as well. I feel like Devon Pennymon will not sign with Alabama, and frankly, it will not hurt the tide. I feel like, I feel like Joshua Jacobs is a better prospect. And I think he will be a, a, a major fit uh, for what Alabama needs. He's a perfect replacement for Kenyon Drake. He's a space running back, a perfect complement to B.J. Evans, who needs to, you know, get his test score up and his the GPA up a little bit. But the Alabama staff expects him to qualify. And we have two other uh, running backs on scholarship. Uh, of course, uh, Bo Scarborough and then uh, and, uh, Damian Harris, two highly touted guys. But they need running backs, so it's crucial for them to get a second back in this class. And they were very fortunate to find Joshua Jacobs. Missouri is also heavily in the mix. Surprisingly, Oklahoma Sooners and uh, Oklahoma State not in it. Well, that's good for Alabama, though. All right, that's two, but uh, only one of those was who I'd consider a strong Bama lean or even solid. And I think you and I are on the same page about Jeffrey Simmons. Let me quiz you about the other nine guys, one of which may have gone silent tonight, tied in Irvin Smith. I expect Irvin Smith to be in this class. Alabama wanted to take one more tight end. Devin Assisi, of course, is on a visit right now. Most expect him to stay on the West Coast. It is a USC where he will visit this weekend, or UCLA. Uh, and he's from, of course, uh, the, uh, the alma mater of Tosh Lupoi, De La Salle High School in Concord, California, Northern California. But I expect him to stay in state. Irv Smith, his film is very, very good. He is what you have been praying for, Ken Clark. He's from Brother Martin High School in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's, uh, you know, an inner-city kid, but he plays big-time football. He's a blocking tight end, very, very good blocker, good receiver. And he has excellent bloodlines. Irv Smith Sr., his father, played at Notre Dame and then played five years in the NFL. I think he'd be a perfect fit and fill a major need for Alabama, and I expect him to be in the class this time. Well, the other thing that everybody's tired of me griping about for this class is a pure left tackle, even a project, Drew, I submit Alabama's going to get one in Scott Lashley. Well, I think Scott Lashley will be a right tackle at Alabama. Uh, it may even move inside, but probably a right tackle. He's more of a road grader. Uh, he's a very good prospect. He's someone Mississippi State has really, you know, been very, very, uh, you know, confident they were going to sign for a long time. But Alabama has continued to work him. And one angle with that situation, uh, Kerry Clark, is he is tight with Jeffrey Simmons. And that can't hurt. But speaking of the state of Mississippi, uh, well, no, we'll get to him later because I'm going to sit here and silent. Never mind. Uh, going down the list of people that also feel or silent Alabama are extremely heavy leads at the, at the very worst. Uh, the man from Montgomery who's been all over the place in his recruitment, um, Mr. Mac Wilson. Yes, Mac Wilson and Ben Davis, the top two inside linebackers on Alabama's board, Jerry. I expect both of them to end up in Alabama uniforms. Uh, that will be the there. You know, there's been a situation with Dontavious Jackson. Uh, he has a small, you know, I- issue, uh, but it's nothing major. Uh, I think they still could have worked around that. But you know, I, I think in the end they decided to go with the two instaters. Uh, both of them are high-level players. Uh, I thought Dontavious would be in the class for a while. You know, I, he, he was he visited this summer, had a great visit, and there's a lot of buzz about him coming to Alabama. Then it flatlined a little bit. Texas was talked about. 
And then, you know, the last month or so, I thought there was still a very good chance he could end up in the class. But I hear now that it's that the priorities are Lindell Wilson and obviously uh, 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 Ben Davis. They're going to be in the class. And then they, they just need to sign two outside linebackers. And I think they know who those two are going to be. Well, why don't I give you two names, Terrell Hall and Mike Warren? That's uh, the two names that are the most prominent. I believe that they put themselves in a very, very, very strong position for Mike Juarez. You never know. Going into the last weekend, he's supposed to visit BYU. Ole Miss has still been confident that they had a shot at it. But I think Mike Juarez, I think Tosh LePoy, he's known as a, as a machine in the recruiting uh, industry and in the, in, the, in the profession. Really, as a coach, that's his strength. He, I still think he's a very good teacher, but when he came to Alabama, he made his bones as a recruiter at Cal and Washington, bringing in NFL-caliber guys. This may be the first uh, time this pays off for Alabama. It's already paid off handsomely with Najee Harris in 2017, but I think, uh, you know, he didn't, he wasn't able to get Janarius Robinson from Florida, but he's been heavily involved with Keith Gavin, who I still think there's a strong possibility he's in the class. And then I believe that Mike Juarez will be as well. Terrell Hall from Maryland, I think they have a very good shot at him. He's going to officially visit the uh, Rebels this weekend. Of course, Maryland was thought to be in strong, but I hear he had a very, very, very good visit to Alabama last weekend. What a forward linebacker Hall it would be. Terrell Hall, he will probably end up being a, a John Allen-type defensive end with his hand in the dirt, but still, right now he's a jack linebacker. You've got Terrell Hall, you've got Mike Juarez, and Mac Wilson and Ben Davis would be one of the best linebacker classes, if not the best, in the country. Well, you mentioned him briefly during that answer, Drew, but I'll go ahead and re-throw his name out there because Florida State thinks they have him. But I'm told there's quite a bit of optimism, maybe even a whole lot of optimism, about Keith Gavin in this Alabama class. Well, yeah, and, you know, he, he's uh, tweeted about being very conflicted since coming back from Florida State. I think right now the top three receivers on the board are A.J. Brown, Keith Gavin, and Amon Richards. Of course, Amon Richards will visit Miami this weekend. Uh, A.J. Brown will be in Oxford, Mississippi. But I think Alabama feels like they can get two of the three, and really the top two have always been A.J. Brown and Gavin wanting to get a couple of physical targets at wide receiver. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic as well. You can't take, you can't you know discount Florida State. Uh, they have, you know, he was committed to them at one time, but I think Alabama has a really good shot at him, and I think they're feeling stronger on A.J. Brown, though, again, that's going to be unpredictable of being a kid from the state of Mississippi, but they've done a lot of recon with him. His final three are Alabama, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Most believe it's an Alabama-Mississippi State battle, uh, but, you know, uh, really and truly, when you make a business decision, uh, you know, it's not far from just losing to Starkville, but it is when you compare the two programs and where they are right now. And for A.J. Brown to reach his dreams, become an NFL player, and be developed, Alabama would be the best place for him. So, in other words, he, wants to, he needs to decide if he's going to be Deronier Wilson or Julio Jones. Exactly, and I think Julio Jones is going to make a little bit more money. Yeah, and, and that's a guy I was going to ask you about. A.J., I'm glad you covered him. Uh, he was not on my list of 10 silence. He was on another list I had of people that could be considered maybe 65% Alabama leads, but not silence or, or locks. And I'm glad you covered him. There's only one more person we hadn't discussed on my list of who I consider silence, Drew, and he's actually unofficially visiting right now. He's probably about as big a silent as there is in the world, uh, even though Ole Miss and State will probably scream they got a shot. I feel like Nigel Knott's going to be in this class for Alabama, Drew. 
Oh, I feel like he is, too. His dad, David Knott, former Ole Miss Rebel, works in the city of Huntsville uh, with the Tennessee Valley Viper, one of the best players in the history of that arena football franchise. He's now a trainer in the city. Uh, I, I, you know, Ole Miss, I know they're going to continue to recruit Nigel Knott, but I really believe that Alabama will sign at least one DB in, these, in this final 10, 11, 12 that are added to this class, and Nigel Knott will be one of them. We'll see if they can get another defensive back. Personally, I do not see Cheyenne Carter uh, in this class. I think he will be an Ole Miss Rebel. I think Josh Perry uh, will not be on the signing list on signing day for the University of Alabama. Uh, I think he will. I've always felt like he was tied to Cheyenne Carter in a way. He, as far as I know, he has not officially visited Alabama. Uh, he may be coming in this weekend, but I have not confirmed that. And, again, I think the other DB to watch is Jared Maiden from Satchise, Texas. Uh, right now he's, been, he's got it down to Alabama and Oklahoma. His parents are Oklahoma graduates. I hear they prefer the Sooners, uh, but he really likes Alabama. Six months ago he didn't have Oklahoma in his final seven, so we will see. He had a very good visit to Alabama. They felt good when he left. You know, I even had one source tell me they feel like he's better than Nigel Warrior, who I think Warrior will end up a Tennessee ball. So, you know, I think they would definitely take Jared Maiden. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I still say, and I'll tell the listeners, this will be a top three class nationally at worst. But if it goes as well as, as, as Alabama thinks it could going into this final weekend, uh, and with someone with the initials JF, if he goes to the University of Alabama, they will have the top class in the country. And the biggest thing uh, they'll have done is fill their needs along the line of scrimmage, the blocking tight end with Irv Smith, and maybe a difference maker or two at wide receiver to keep rolling uh, and keep this program uh, continuing for national championships, which they've won for the last seven years. Drew, if they don't get made, and if he does pick Oklahoma – but Alabama's got the momentum now. Let me say this. There's people way outside the southeast that are projecting him to Alabama. But let's say Maiden does pick Oklahoma. Does Alabama then go back in on Cheyenne Carter? Perhaps. I mean, they could, depending on, you know, what they ultimately believe they need. Uh, but I think also uh, Landon Dickerson someone to look at, though he's visiting Tennessee this weekend. I still think Landon Dickerson winds up a Florida State Seminole. Uh, but uh, he had a very good visit to Alabama. From a number standpoint, I only see Alabama taking one more offensive lineman, uh, but I, but you never know. I mean, I really think uh, if Maiden goes elsewhere, I mean, it could it could mean uh, that, uh, that, uh, that another prospect might not gray shirt, might be able to stay in the class, so we should not delay until January. It's just going to depend on the numbers. The numbers are very tight. But the biggest thing is Alabama is going to continue to build their team like Nick Saban wants to from the inside out. And, uh, you know, the, the offensive and defensive line classes are going to be among the best in the country, even if uh, Alabama cannot bring in Derrick Brown, who may end up being an Auburn Tiger. The, the Derrick Brown talk is very interesting. Uh, he's got it down basically to three schools, Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee. Uh, some believe Alabama and Auburn are the final two. Some believe it's Auburn and Tennessee. Uh, but Auburn seems to have the momentum. Most believe he will end up there. But you never know in that kind of situation. So uh, he's a very good player. Regardless of where he goes, he could be like a Deron Payne and getting the two deep as a freshman. Uh, but if he goes to Auburn, they could have as good a defensive line class as anybody in the country. But Alabama's would be very, very close if they could pull uh, the, the Jeffrey Simmons. And also, I think they will have uh, Jamar King, the Juco from California. And if they have Jamar King, 
and, and I think you're right about them having Jamar King in this class, too. But if they have King, is that a pretty good sign that, that Mikael Carter is going to go to Georgia? Perhaps, but you may also they may also be looking at where if they don't get Derrick Brown, they may turn up the heat on Mikael Carter, Kerry. Uh, you know, you never know, and especially if they if they do not think they're going to get Jeffrey Simmons, but they spent a lot of time with Jeffrey Simmons, Mikael Carter. But you, in his situation, you got to look at it like this: Georgia pretty much knows they're not getting Derrick Brown, so Mikael Carter will be going to Athens this weekend. They are going to turn it up trying to keep them in state because there's the, the defensive line class was very deep in the southeast and in Georgia this year, but Georgia has uh, missed on several of them, and they do not want to miss on them all. And Michael Carter will be a guy that uh, is uh, really, really a high priority for them this weekend because they do not feel good at all. We're talking to Trudy Armand of ESPN 977, the zone, our co-host who has just joined us this last 20 minutes or so here on BAMS Radio, and we're talking recruiting here on the Asian Rim Hotline. Don't forget to go to AsianRim.com and check out their menu and call them uh, there at the Colonnade here in Birmingham and make your reservations for your sweetheart and you to go have some good, good, good food on Valentine's. The Asian Rim Hotline, we're so happy to have Paige and Roy Hopman as the sponsors of that. Drew, the reason that I ask you that about about, about Mikhail is that uh, I feel like that if Jamar King was a certainty for this class, he'd already be public. But I think when they get the no from McHale and Georgia gets the yes, I think that's when Jamar King is told, okay, go ahead and commit. Am I on the right track? Or as John Garcia feels, is Jamar King a take either way? I've still got him, Kerry. Drew, are you there? Might have lost him. Oh, okay. Well, maybe he'll call back in. Yeah. Uh, well... Either way, uh, let me know if we get him back. And uh, we've been talking to Drew DeArmond the uh, last 15 minutes or so about recruiting. He did give us a great Yep, there we go. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Sorry, last question. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that question. Uh, my, 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 my feeling on, on Mikhail is that if, if he went ahead and committed, I wasn't sure if Jamar King would still be a take. John Garcia says Jamar King to take either way, but do you feel that, that Jamar King's committable offer is contingent upon Mikael Carter going to Georgia? No, it's a, he's a take. Okay. So they could theoretically both be in the class. Yes. And then you're running into some severe number crunching, uh, and so that brings up the uncomfortable topic of gray shirts uh, and back counters. Right. I, think there's at least two back, I think there's at least two back counters in this class, maybe three, mm-hmm. but at least two. That opens up spots, but then you talk about okay, who who could be this year's uh, Christian Bell and volunteer to, to take one for the team and come in in January? Well, the obvious name is Raleigh Cole, Drew, but they may need more than one, and that makes me think if he sticks with Alabama, that Joshua Perry could be one. And then somebody that we both know sent me a text tonight saying that if they got everybody they wanted, they might even consider asking Brandon Scales to gray shirt. So what's your take on those three names or any others I may have left out? I think you're on the right track, uh, no question about it. I think those two to three would be the candidates you, you could see that happening with. Uh, nothing is definite, uh, but I think uh, that could easily happen. Um, and I think, you know, there's a high probability it could. And uh, it's good, but that's something that'll be a you know a, a, a bridge that's crossed, 
after Wednesday and after they and after they get a feel for things this weekend. But I don't think there's any doubt that could happen, and uh, it gives them some versatility, uh, no question about it. And, I, and those three young guys have all been solid commitments uh, to the University of Alabama. But I still think it's telling because Josh Perry has not uh, uh, visited the University of Alabama, and we all know he's very, very close with uh, Cheyenne Carter, and uh, it would not shock me at all if Perry ended up being a rebel on signing day uh, with his with his friend. And I don't think that'd be the end of the world, Drew. Just to be honest, not to be ugly or anything. But I think I think that uh, that would be a fine. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I guess I don't really have any other names I can bring up right now as potential members of the class. We talked about a lot of guys in the last 15, 20 minutes. Is there anybody else out there? Say Ole Miss, uh, say the unthinkable happens and Ole Miss gets A.J. Brown and drops Mikael Jones. Does Alabama go in on Mikael Jones? Well, I think that's a possibility, but I think they're going to take Mikael Jones. I think they feel like they need a couple wide receivers. Uh, they haven't felt really confident on A.J. Brown, but you never know after this weekend. Uh, we will see. But uh, I, I really believe that Alabama has a strong shot at A.J. Brown. I'm not going to call it a lock because you never right. know they're recruiting it in Mississippi. But I think they have a very, very good chance at him, and I think they're going to continue uh, to work it hard. They, as everybody knows, Bo Davis, I went to see him this week, Nick Saban. Uh, they had, he had three three of Alabama staff in his home to see him, uh, and so Bo Davis handled the state of Mississippi. They put a lot of time into AJ Brown, and uh, I think he's a perfect fit for what Alabama does. But uh, that, the one thing we all know is Dick Saban is going to have a contingency plan. But I think with the the canceled visits of Brian Burns, he canceled. Connor Murphy canceled. Uh, Pat Young, the what the slot receiver, canceled. There's no question in my mind that they feel really strongly that they position themselves to close the way they want to. And other than Nick Saban and and, and Billy Napier and, and Bo Davis and Lane Kiffin, Drew, would anybody else on the Alabama campus be any happier about getting AJ Brown than Mitch Gaspard? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. And speaking of that, Kerry, all the reviews from the media and the fans that I've read. What a beautiful ballpark it looks like they put together at the University of Alabama. You know, I've been to hundreds, you know, uh, over 100 games in my time at the old Joe. I'm so anxious to see the new one in person. I've driven by it, have not stepped inside it. But it's going to be uh, such an, uh, a, a charged environment, so special when they take on Maryland in their first series at home against a very good team that's been to the Super Regionals and the World Series the last couple of years. And, uh, what a, what a, uh, what a, what a, I know Mitch Gaspard, he spent most of his professional career at the University of Alabama as an assistant and now the head coach. He's got to be like a kid in a candy store. This should have been done 10 years ago, but it got done, and I think they did it in a first-class way. And now there's no excuses. Alabama baseball is going to have all the tools they need. They've got to win. Well, Drew, last hour, uh, and if you get a chance, go back and listen to the podcast of tonight's show. Uh, but uh, last hour, we talked to a 70-year-old senior citizen who was like a kid in a candy store during his tour of the new Joe this morning, Kirk McNair. He spent about five minutes just raving about it. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, Kirk's seen many a game, and Sewell Thomas as well. And if Kirk, if anyone, if Kirk McNair is that excited about it, 
and he's been is somebody that's been a, a known the heartbeat of the Alabama athletic department longer than just about anyone. One of the foremost historians of Alabama football and athletics. That's all you need to know because he does not mince words. He tells it like it is, and that's an outstanding sign and really great to hear. Can't wait to see the new Sewell Thomas Stadium, the new Joe, and very excited uh, for Paige Hockman and, uh, of course, her son, Georgie Salem, the center fielder, will you know be on this team, be a leader for this team, and just very excited for Alabama baseball as a whole. Oh, yeah, and Kirk was there when Ken Saber was pitching for Alabama at that stadium. So, <laughs> there you go. You know, you know he, 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 I mean, he was, Kamal so backed me up on this, he was fired up about his tour of the New Jersey. To get a chance to that did happen, can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. He was, uh, and Kirk doesn't get excited about a whole lot, a whole, you know, he's kind of laid back. But you know what else he got excited about on this broadcast tonight, Drew? was Boy. you and I and him spent an eventful two hours together Tuesday night in Coleman Coliseum watching Alabama come from behind and win 63-57. to 57. We were all incredulous. We were all picking our jaws up off the floor at what we saw. Kirk McNair was fired up about that, too. You were there. You sat there with us. Uh, tell us what was going through your mind. Those uh, We'll start off with, Drew, when Alabama's down 15 with just over 13 to go. Take us from there to when the clock hit zero. Well, I, you know, I was—I thought honestly for the first 30 minutes or so it was the worst basketball game uh, they had played all year. You know, it reminded me of the Anthony Grant era, the worst in the history of this basketball program. And uh, I thought it was apropos that a guy I defended this past weekend was in attendance on press row scouting for the NBA, David Hobbs, who has really gotten a bad rap as. You know, people don't consider him a, a, a good part of Alabama basketball history. He was an assistant on some of the best teams this, uh, this program has ever seen. Uh, he was solid as head coach, not great, but he went to two NCAA tournaments in five years. Uh, he, won, he won games in both those appearances. He went to the NIT. He put players in the NBA like Antonio McDyess. Uh, You know, he coached Jamal Faulkner. I mean, he, uh, he won't, you know, whip and help transfer from Arizona State. He had the Jason Caffeys of the world. I mean, he put Eric Washington in the NBA and James, and uh, obviously uh, James Hollywood Robinson. So he uh, he did. I thought he was a solid uh, coach for Alabama. You know, not what everybody had hoped. You know, succeeding win, but that was going to be hard to do. But it was just. I thought obviously the kids showed a lot of fight in the last ten minutes. They kept battling. Riley Norris bringing his lunch pail every day. Uh, with uh, six points and 13 rebounds. Uh, and really, Retno Basahan, uh, he, he struggled with his shot some early, but I, I thought he uh, really played well late, really attacked the rim with a vengeance. And then it was good to see Shannon Hale. It was the best game he's had since coming back uh, from uh, the uh, his uh, suspension or issues, whatever he had, where he missed about three games. And he was able to score the ball, struggled from the field some, but was really tremendous down the stretch in the second half. And, just really excited to see the team uh, step up and be a uh, Tennessee team that's struggling under Rick Barnes, but I really uh, was excited uh, to see them win that game and come back. It's a game they never would have won in the last two to three years, and uh, again, to win that game, hopefully it'll get them cranked up for the rest of the season. Every game is going to be a struggle because they're not the most talented team, but as you said on press row on more than one occasion, there's no doubt about it is that is that they fight and they fight every night and I thought the crowd was really behind them and uh, I'm just really excited about the future of Alabama basketball and Avery Johnson and his staff get the pieces they need in place 
Uh, it's going to be it buckle up, as people say. It's going to be fun, and how about basketball is going to be the, uh, a, a, a happening that people are going to want to see. I told, I said on the drive tonight, seven for Steve Moulton. You better get your tickets now because they're going to be hard to come by. They are, and uh, there's a lot more optimism now regarding not only the signing status this April of Terrence Ferguson, but also uh, you know having checked some other sources. Uh, I feel like that he's in better shape academically than we might have thought a month ago. So we, I think we can count on T. Ferg being out there on the court next year. The question is, who will be the extra big man that's added to the roster? I did run into Lazaro Rojas uh, the other night who visited the Tennessee game, had a great time. He's 6'10", 220. He's not a post player, Drew. He's an outside player. His film makes it clear that he spends a lot of time on the perimeter. So that leads to the question, you know, and I don't think you and I have a firm answer to this, but that leads to the question of who will be joining who we have now in the paint next fall. Well, you know, that, that's, that's really unknown at this point. I think they're scouring the junior colleges. Uh, obviously, this Luis Rojas came in. He's more of a stretch four. They brought him in on a visit. He was very impressed by what he saw uh, from the Miami area in Florida, a private school kid. Uh, we will see. I think they'll also scout a fifth-year transfer option. But regardless, I don't think there'll be one big. I think there'll be two brought in, uh, which means someone will be, you know, leaving the program after this season. Uh, but I think that's needed. Uh, this roster needs a major talent infusion. Uh, really, you know, three-quarters of the roster need to, you know, change over. But I think Avery Johnson and his staff, Bob Simon, the associate head coach, uh, Scott Pospickle, and then Antoine Petway realized that. Uh, and, of course, they're trying to lay the foundation with John Petty for a very strong 2017 group, especially in state with him and Alex Reese but, uh, and Jamal Johnson, depending on where that situation goes. But I don't think there's any question about it that Alabama basketball is in the right hands. And, you know, when you think about Nick King sitting out as a transfer, you think about Avery Johnson, Jr., and then the three young men, you said Terrence Ferguson, Armand Davis from the College of Southern Idaho, top five junior college guard. And then when you think about uh, Braxton Key, who's really underrated in my opinion, top 30 from Oak Hill, Virginia. Now, you know, he's having a very good senior season, versatile six foot seven forward. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind uh, that the Alabama Crimson Tide are going to have a much different roster next year, with this, especially with Dazon Ingram, who we saw in the media room uh, coming back from his broken foot. Uh, Alabama basketball is going to be fun to watch as early as next year. And frankly, I'll go ahead and say it. I think that Avery Johnson and Alabama are going to go to the NCAA tournament next year. I think you're right about that, Drew. Uh, and another guy to watch for the late period uh, is a high school player also from Florida. He's 6'10", and he's more like 235. His name's Fernando Bruno, and he's named Alabama one of his final four or five teams. I expect him to visit. He's already been to campus, like the summer camp and all, but I expect him to take an official visit sometime, maybe at a home game. And uh, he is more of an inside player. You're absolutely correct in that they'll continue scouring the graduate transfer list to get a post-player version uh, of, you know, the Richard Mullaney uh, type of guy and uh, Arthur Edwards type of guy. They'll, and then the junior college ranks. If they can find a real glass eater there, they'll try to bring that person in for at least a visit. Uh, I talked to Avery Johnson Jr. about it briefly a few weeks ago, and he assured me that there were several things in the works regarding a true post player. He wasn't at liberty to give details, but he, he you know, he pretty much. And you know what I think me and you ought to do, Drew? Because uh, since Coach is starting to bring these guys into the media room for his press conference, Avery Jr. and Dazon, 
I think next time you and me get the mic, we ought to ask them if they have a question for Coach and see what happens. <laughs> That'll be interesting. I was really excited about Dante Hall, what he did. I thought he sparked the team. He fell down in 14 minutes, but he had four points. He had six rebounds, three blocks, two steals. He was very active, very athletic. And within another year and a half, I think you're going to see one of the better big men in the SEC. I love his potential. Uh, I think he, he, you know, he played so well. Jimmy Taylor only got 11 minutes on the floor. Uh, they got a little bit out of Kessins. They need more out of him. But just really excited about Dante Hall. I still think, you know, Brandon Austin has the athleticism to be a player at Alabama under Avery Johnson. And, and, and of course, we love Dazon Ingram. One of, he's one of the better freshmen in the SEC before he got hurt. I think that recruiting class, that three-man class, was underrated coming in, and they're proving that they're going to be uh, guys that can contribute in the program and uh, be developed by this coaching staff, of course, which was not they weren't developed very well under the previous uh, uh, Anthony Grant uh, regimen. But I think uh, Avery Johnson and Bob Simon, Scott Pospickle, Antoine Pelway, they're going to get a lot out of those three. And they're in the biggest thing is they're in-state kids, and it'll help with their recruiting, hopefully, uh, with along with the John Petty group in 2017 to set this program up future success. Another guy to watch in that 17 class, Drew, and I haven't got a chance to see him yet, but I'm determined to see him in the postseason because I've heard people that know a lot more about basketball than I do rave about him. A 6'7 young man who was starting as a 7th grader on the varsity at the old Sunshine High School uh, that is now shut down. People remember football player Anthony Bryant from that school. But uh, this young man is now playing as a class of 2017 junior a six foot seven two guard. He's now at Hale County High. His name's Herb Jones, and I understand from pretty good sources that our staff is extremely high on him, at least as high as they are on Jamal Johnson, perhaps a tad more. And I wouldn't be surprised. I'm glad you brought him up that Herb Jones was in the class and Jamal Johnson was not. And I know being the son of Doug Johnson, that would surprise you, but it told me a lot. When Kentucky came to Coleman Coliseum, we had seven or eight unofficial visitors, including Kyra Lewis from Hazel Green, a freshman to watch, along, of course, with Trendon Watford from Mountain Brook High School. But uh, Jamal Johnson was at Ole Miss that day. And his final, his top three were Alabama, Auburn, and Ole Miss. And I really believe they like Mr. Jones. And I wouldn't be surprised if the three they focused on were John Petty, Alex Reese, and Jones. Yeah, and Reese is going to be a tough pull. A lot of people at Auburn think they've got him locked up, but I'm told that his family likes Coach Petway, so I definitely think Alabama still has a puncher's chance with Reese. At least. Long way to go. We'll see if Bruce Pearl's even in Auburn in six months. Great point. The only thing is Chuck Person is going to play it the same way that Bruce Pearl does. And, you know, Jalous Passner is on the hot seat at Memphis. A lot of money would have to change hands to fire Pastner and hire Pearl, but there's people in Memphis that 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 are not ruling it out. Kerry, they're averaging 3,500 fans a game in Memphis. Oh, it's pitiful. I, I, he's on the hot seat. I think he'd be gone in March. Uh, someone put out a fake. He's Anthony Grant of Memphis basketball. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Anthony Grant being one of the worst. Uh, I, I hate to talk about the worst. No, no, no. He is well, the no, worst no, was one. in the history was of the program. No, there was one that was worse. But he was an assistant football coach who ended up coaching about 15, 20 years of basketball. He's dead now. He talked well, about well, okay. I'll admit that in the modern era of Alabama basketball. He was that. He was that. 
And, and Hayden Riley was doing it because he did the coaching supplement. He was an assistant football coach. He, he didn't have a very good career, uh, and C.M. Newton was brought in because of that. But uh, Hayden Riley's period was the worst. But modern era, no question. You're right. We don't even – we probably – the sooner that we get to where we're not talking about the grand era, the better. And I've made the statement on Twitter and at games to you in person uh, this year that, that Avery is having a tough time getting the grant out of some of our kids. But, you know, with each passing year, more of those guys will, will be gone. And, uh, you know, I'm with you. I, I think next year as an NCAA tournament team, and, Drew, if they can get just the right amount of wins the rest of this year, I think this year could possibly be an NIT team, even if they have to play them all on the road. I think there's a shot right now with the schedule they played. If they can get to that 17th win, even if it happens in Nashville at the SEC tournament, I think Alabama could, could, could make the NIT because they've got a pretty good RPI. It's still around 56. Yeah, it's pretty good. They're going to have to win some games. It's gonna. It'll start this weekend with South Carolina and Columbia. They're gonna have to steal a couple on the road, but it's possible. I mean, they're gonna continue to play hard and put themselves in position, like Coach Johnson said, post game uh, against Tennessee and Ole Miss. They were right there. They were right there against Auburn. Had chances to win, just couldn't quite, you know, put it together. They were leading at the half against Vandy. Uh, they're just gonna have to uh, continue to grind and try to steal a couple and and protect their home court. Uh, you know, and uh, I know they'll be excited when Auburn comes back, and uh, they're going to have some opportunities to get some more wins. Uh, and, and Missouri will be there, so they—they—they they, they I think they've got a chance to reach the NIT. It would be big for this team to get any kind of postseason, and it would set a good precedent for the future, no question about that. And uh, but we'll see. And it's been good, guys. I appreciate y'all, uh, you know, hanging with me and letting me come on and stretching out the show. But uh, looks like we're about to wrap it up here on bounds. But I. I hope everybody enjoyed it, and I hope uh, the listeners hung with us. And then those that did not, please, of course, I know they'll listen to the podcast. It will be up either later tonight or in the morning. But it's been good to be back with you all and uh, also to see a historic high school basketball game tonight. Well, we're thrilled that you're able to join us for the time you were, Drew. Before we let you go and close it out, is there anything else that we need to cover about the National Signing Day that could happen between now and then? We did a great thorough job, but is there anything else you want to throw out there before we close? No, not not exactly. Uh, even though I will say I did report Freddie Rhodes should be uh, on the staff at Alabama. It looks like that might not happen. We will see. Uh, he, there was a lot of strong indications he would. But, you know, with Nick Saban, you never know. Made some comments at the Senior Bowl that he didn't want to mess up other people's recruiting. Led to more speculation about Kevin Shearer and some other assistant coaches. But regardless, Alabama's going to have a very strong, uh, you know, coaching staff. And, and I think they're going to finish really strong in recruiting and send a message, hopefully to Oxford, Mississippi, uh, that you don't tug on Superman's cape and that Alabama is looking forward uh, to coming to Oxford uh, and shutting some people up in 2016. Well, Drew, I, I love all the memes that show Nick Saban on the Superman body and his head. But you know what? I think this could be the year that Batman beats Mr. Freeze. <laughs> we will see. And that movie, Batman vs. Superman, Donald Justice, coming out not long from now. And I know Thomas Watson and I will be rushing to go see that. So Nick Saban could be a little bit of both this uh, this National Signing Day. Let's just say that. But, Drew, we do appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us. I know you've got a great chance to see a start game. Thomas has always did a great job back there running the controls for us. Uh, we have gone now two hours and 35 minutes. 
one of the longest BAMs ever, uh, but it was a information-filled BAMs. And we want to thank Mike Quinnville from the Alabama Frozen Tide, Kurt McNair from Bama Magazine, and Jimmy Stein from Talking Tuscaloosa uh, Podcast uh, for joining us tonight. And, of course, for Drew Armand of ESPN 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville for Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, our executive producer. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com. Thanking you for listening to BAMS Radio. Thanking the Asian Rim at the Colonnade here in Birmingham, AsianRim.com, for sponsoring us on the hotline. Wishing you a good night. Roll Tide. And next week we'll be talking signing day. Uh, Good night. Roll Tide. Thank you for listening to BAMS Radio. Roll Tide.